side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Breaks the tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody's thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium. Upside down right now. Eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit drop. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. Well, there's no game tomorrow, but... That doesn't stop us from tailgating. Welcome into the Friday Husker tailgate, October 13, 2023, bi-week edition, halftime in the season edition, intermission edition, whatever you want to call it. We are uh, here to talk about another win for Nebraska football, a third win of the year, a road conference win, and a game that... Probably fair to say was not pretty by anyone's standard of pretty football. But nonetheless, Nebraska gets a win, head into a week off to heal up, uh, rest up a little bit, and then get ready for the rest of the conference season. I'm Jack Mitchell, along with Caleb Henry. Mike Schaefer will be joining us shortly. Also have Kenny Larrabee, who is joining us uh, right now. He is uh, doing our video, which you can see at facebook.com slash LNK today. If you'd like to follow along and uh, watch and see our video clips and uh, some of the neat graphics that we've got on there and what our pretty faces look like. So please check that out, facebook.com slash LNK today. Got a good show for you today. Uh, just because it's a bye week, we still have all of our uh, regular stuff ready to go for you today. Uh, we got clips from this week we're going to delve into and discuss. Uh, we have got helmet stickers to give away from last week. We have got your morning drive, your Friday Husker tailgate morning drive a little bit later in the show. Scheduled to have Kevin Suits join us. And, of course, we'll be taking a look at this college football weekend with the picks. So that's what we've got on tap for you. Settle in and get ready for another fall weekend. They are... Uh, Hey, they're already dwindling away. Can you believe it, Caleb? We are already at halfway through the season. Uh, I did. I did wake up. Now I'll tell you what. You know you're in fall because I had the first. I had the first morning today. You know when you wake up a little bit before your alarm and you wake up because you're freezing cold. I had that for the first time this year today. Instead of being hot and pulling the covers off me and turning the fan okay. on. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, the temperature significantly dropped over the course of this week compared yes. to what it had been and. Should be a little bit of a we're here. Dare I say it? Chilly weekend we, compared to what we've had. we are in. Uh, we are in mid fall, but yeah, we got to hit up those pumpkin patches before everything's frozen over. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, Caleb, I'll start with you. Obviously, we talked about it a little bit this week, but your your takeaway from the win against Illinois, Nebraska. You know, on one hand, Nebraska gets the win, mm-hmm. gets a win that they haven't been able to get in the Big Ten for a lot of years. Or, or another way to say it is this: you know, there have been. I think easier games uh, that they haven't won over the years, and so they did get it. 
Um, it probably there's probably a lot of stuff you could nitpick, especially about the offense and how it worked out. So, what do you take away overall from that thing going away from it? Yeah, the, the team found a way to win a football game. There's there's still a lot of flaws that you can have with that you can see with this team in kind of all three phases, not just the not just the offense, but there were also things that went Nebraska's way. They created their own luck. You got to bounce here or there that it just seems like Nebraska hasn't had. So it was nice to see guys do that, and then even though they still technically lose the the turnover battle, guys didn't get dejected, didn't get down. And now maybe some of this is just because Illinois is a bad football team, especially on offense. But you Nebraska wasn't winning those games in recent years, and then they they went into Champaign on a Friday night, beat up, lost even more guys on Friday during the game and didn't get down on themselves. And that, that had been an issue before, that as soon as it seemed like things started to snowball, the whole team was just gone yeah. me- mentally. And whether or not they, they were, that was, the, that was the look that you had overall for the team. So the biggest takeaway I have is they got that was the end of a, a six-week stretch of games going into the bye week. They didn't look ahead to, we're going to get some time off, uh, we, maybe we can start that early. Came out with a win, and, mm-hmm. and ultimately, that's that's what you want to see. And uh, the team just hasn't been able to do that in recent years. Yeah, uh, Mike, I'm curious how you feel about kind of the the battling thoughts about this thing. One is, yeah, you get a win that you haven't been able to get. That's an important one, uh, and it's one where you, at least in parts of the game, you definitely didn't play all that well. How do you kind of resolve those two things about this game? Well, I think we're we're at the point with Nebraska where. Basically, you can't worry about next week's battles in the middle of this week's game. And so Nebraska won 20 to 7. Um, I, I thought a few things were notable in there. Uh, I appreciated the defense basically stood tall pretty much the entire game. I mean, you had the, the goal line stand, obviously, to start things. And, and I sent a couple texts on that first drive before the goal line stand. And I was basically like, this does not look good. Yeah. I mean, it did not. Right the way the that game started. Versus how it ended, you would you would be hard pressed if you showed someone that first drive, and then you're like, okay, so how many points does Illinois score? Mm-hmm. There's no way they're saying right. only seven. So Agreed. I thought the defensive adjustment was was good, and then I thought the ability of the defense to stand tall in the second half while getting minimal help, despite doing everything it could to put points on the board, is a is a good sign as well because we've seen in the past Nebraska's cratered in those situations. We saw it earlier this year against Minnesota. Now that was a one score game, but they weren't able to get off the field. They weren't able to turn back a team. So I think there's little victories in there that matter. And then uh, here's another thing. I mean, we've talked a lot uh, in recent years about physicality. I know it's one of your favorite topics. <laughs> Honestly, you love to I, talk about. I don't about mind the topic. I just don't the like the gets. word. I don't like the word. Yeah. But, but that's here nor there. And I, specifically, not physicality, but. Big Ten West physicality. Yeah, Iowa physicality. Wisconsin physicality. The two-by-fours of nails about... that they hit each other with throughout But practices. yes, people love, people have talked yeah. about that significantly <laughs> over uh, the years. You had to feel like Friday was a, an example that we haven't seen a lot of where Nebraska's like, they're in a mediocre slugfest, but they're in it, and they weren't outdone by it. I mean, how many times have we heard about the sort of pretty boy style that they were supposedly playing under Scott Frost and they couldn't handle these sorts of things. That's not what this is. Yeah. And I appreciated that too. I mean, so there's a certain element of toughness that they can take away from that game. Um, I think that we've seen a transition in terms of 
what to think of this team and, and how to view them. And I thought Friday was a good example of they're an inherently flawed team, but they have figured out ways to win games. They have figured out ways to put themselves in position to be up 20-7, to seven, even when they haven't played well and even when they're squandering countless opportunities. They still close the game. And so I, I think there's a lot more positive than there is uh, negative. And, and a lot of that comes down to this is a week-to-week team. Like, we don't – you really don't need to look ahead. And I know it's hard, especially these next three games and what's at stake and, mm-hmm. and everything else. But they just got to get through – you know, this is every cliche you could ever ask for, but they got to get through each week at a time. One, one, one week game. at a time. Actually, so, to be honest, singular play from play. Play it at one play at a time. Go 1-0 yeah. oh each play? Pretty much. <laughs> Win each rep. And and for all the other platitudes. If we die, and, we die. Yeah. Day by day. <laughs> everything else said in that speech, I mean, throw this one in there, too. It's it's one play at a time the rest of the season. Yeah. So. What, what do you – so uh, I said at the outset, and I'm, sh- I'm sure you guys agree, that over pick your number of years back, but there's so many of these games, even if you just say in conference, that Nebraska has come up on well, the like short every end Nebraska-Iowa game. Nebraska-every Iowa game. Nebraska, <laughs> I mean, there have been Nebraska-Northwestern games yep. where this has happened. There have been Nebraska-Illinois games where this has happened. And, and by the way, games where – Nebraska might have been at home. Games where Nebraska might have been favored. Mm-hmm. You know, Minnesota came in with half their team out with COVID a few years ago and and beat Nebraska. There's just been every time you bring that up, that I, remains one of my I most still frustrating. Just, uh, my eye back. almost got stuck to the left and, of my head because I eye rolled so hard about and that. And this is why I came out of that Friday night feeling like really good, actually, just because it it seemed like such a significant step to me. Warts be darned, of course, with the whole thing, but that felt like a that was just the game that Nebraska has lost over and over and over again through coaching staff after coaching staff at this point. And I'm not sure, I mean, the simple answer, I guess, Mike, is what you said. The difference is the defense was just the best unit on the field of yep. any of them, and that's mm-hmm. ne- that's never been the case. And particularly the defensive line was just the yeah. best unit in the game. Yeah. I mean, they, their ability to control the line of scrimmage, to basically make Illinois one-dimensional after that first drive, to get two huge victories on fourth and shorts uh, against a team that wanted to run the ball, to physically be able to do that. And I know this isn't, you know, uh, Brett Bielema's best offensive line and his best effort in terms of an offense, but... They want to go at you. And right. and Nebraska basically said, yeah, you're not going through us, so yeah. figure it out on your end. And Illinois couldn't. Right. And to have a team be able to do that is rare for what we're used to seeing in the last decade. Yeah. No, you're, it really is. You're, by the way, you're exactly right on that first drive. It, I mean... Nothing looked like the rest of the game. Nothing that happened in that first drive looked like the rest of the game. Which goes which is to interesting. goes to another point that I cannot emphasize enough. I mean, if you want the truest difference between what you have watched the previous coaching regime and this coaching regime, in-game, every single week, there are adjustments that get made before halftime, you know, in between drives, on both sides of the ball, where you can see veteran coordinators, and I know people don't like Nebraska's offense, but whatever. I mean, they, the adjustments they make every half, they play better in the second half. Didn't result in enough points, mm-hmm. obviously, against Illinois. Um, but, like, Tony White, after that first drive, they clearly saw something. I'm not enough of a football guy to tell you exactly what they did, though it, to me it seems pretty evident that they were able to just completely take away the running game, and then they got to the point where they could play enough of a shell that – 
you know, Altmaier didn't have enough time to throw and his receivers weren't going to get open. Mm-hmm. And so they had that one really nice drive where they picked on Quentin Newsom a bunch, which was weird. Yeah. It was very weird. Um, mm-hmm. But that was it. That was yeah. all of their success. That was their whole game. I mean, they had three drives in which they had yards over 30, like they sustained over 30 yards. Right. The first drive, the last drive, and the one right before half where they scored. Yeah. That's it. Three. And it was, and the first drive was boop, boop, boop all the way yeah. down, right? Like, yeah. And then they quickly adjusted, and I don't know yeah. what it was. I don't know if it was but, getting John Bullock in certain situations or what it was, but such a better, man, cleaner game. There's a, there's a world where that goal line stand, that stop there, was a, just a complete season changer. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think Nebraska benefited so much from Illinois' two play calls there. Well, the, I, the I second agree. one especially. Well, and the second one, that running back completely could have walked into the end zone had he just looked right. Yeah. I mean, he, he ran straight into yeah. the line. Like, And I understand the shortest distance where he's trying to go mm-hmm. is directly ahead of him. Well, unfortunately, didn't work that way. Caleb, I'm curious what you think when you talk. The defense is, ob- is you know, we don't even need to, to say. Some people think the defense is the strength of the team right now, and I think the defense is better than ever anyone expected it to be. The defensive line in particular is better than anyone expected it to be because I think when we came in here at the beginning of the season, most of us, I can't remember what you all said. I'll tell you what I said is that I was that was my most concerning position group on the entire team coming into the season. With I was the defensive most excited line. about the defensive you, line. Okay, well, you and were I got to right. just take this victory lap, and everyone just acts like a mega it up and i want to roll the audio like i, I want to go back and i want well, to find can do that audio. we can do that. i kind of i do remember you i do you remember saying so i was wrong but i think i was in the majority though <laughs> oh yeah no a lot people of people were saying on that yeah. but caleb I'm, I'm curious what do you what is it is it about players just being better than we thought is it about do you think it's about the scheme what is it about what is it do you think that if you had to explain why this defense through halfway through the season has been so high above expectations yes <laughs> that it, it's it's to me it's both of those it's it's the players are able to get home in a in a fashion that's better than what most of us anticipated coming into the season and i think some of it is also the 335 what they're able to do from a, a a level at the secondary to have guys be athletic and take away uh the deep ball take away the big plays and they're those linebackers because you're able to rotate so many guys out there i think that group is more athletic than we anticipated as a whole than it just being kind of the the top three-ish guys there. Mm -hmm. But really, it's the defensive line being able to get home changes every aspect of what you're able to do on defense. And we saw it go away for a couple of games because they really didn't bring a lot of pressure. I I think you're starting to see them figure out, okay, when should we bring a little bit more just to make sure we are getting there so they have to have to respect it a little bit more but i think the defensive line's ability to get there on their own with a 3 or a 4 man rush or at least move the pocket mm-hmm. changes everything that you can do defensively regardless of scheme but i think the the scheme helps out a lot because of how athletic you are across your linebackers to stop the run and you've been forcing teams to just throw the ball now at times it's picked nebraska apart but if a team has to be completely one dimensional and they can only throw the ball. That's what you're picking. Yeah, yeah. Nebraska's going to pick that every day because you're not getting beat up in the middle constantly with those guys. And you can let some dudes just say, guys, we know they're throwing it three out of every four plays. Yeah. Someone just put their ears back, get after the quarterback. It's so much easier to play when you know 
between the two things that are happening, which one is coming? Yeah, Mike. Uh, same question to you, but but I know you know you did think there was some potential there on the defensive line. Has any what has surprised you about the Nebraska defense? Because I'm assuming you didn't quite expect this kind of a performance. This time. No, I, I, this is so much better than I anticipated. Like I thought that they would be better, um, in part because just sort of the veteran coaches. Uh, well, not even veteran coaches, the the veteran defensive coordinator in Tony White. And that's not to take anything away from Eric Shenander or Bill Bush, who was doing it at the end of last year. Those guys know football. And Eric Shenander had a really nice run, you know, late 2020, early mm-hmm. 2021. And so it's not to say that we haven't seen strong defensive play before, but Tony White has kind of just made a living off of doing it in the margins. And he did it at Syracuse with significantly less talent than he had at Nebraska. Now, the ACC, different conference, different style. That I didn't know how it was going to translate. But I was excited about just what I had heard about Tony White and, and everything else. And then I instantly just felt like they hit a home run with Terrence Knighton. And that was mm. before you know a single game had been played. And a lot of it was you get a former NFL guy who wasn't just an NFL guy because he was six foot six and could run and everything else. I mean, he's a little bit of a unique body type. He had to do it out of grit and determination. And if you were to just throw on, you know, if you were like, I wonder what this guy looked like as an NFL player, and you go find some YouTube highlights of it, the dude threw the kitchen sink at offensive linemen. So then it was like, okay, I don't want to take anything away of what Nebraska's had previously from their defensive line coaches. They didn't seem like they got a lot of great individual performances. They could get good team performances. Damian Daniels was really good for like a a year, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. But it just felt like they were going to get better individually because of Terrence Knighton's success. Another thing to add into all of this, and I don't think it's insignificant, everywhere, and I mean everywhere Matt Rule has ever gone, the defensive line has been good. Yeah, Every single stop. Yep. And you want to know something else? It's been good almost right away. Every single time, because I think he knows defensive line play far better than he will ever come out and say. And what did he coach at UCLA? And where did he meet Tony White? He was a defensive line coach. It's it's interesting you say that. Not only about the defensive line, but I heard some national people talking about Nebraska coming into the year, and they I heard this a couple times. They said, "Well, the one thing you know is Matt Rule is going to have a good defense to yep. go along with it." Maybe we underestimated what a well, defensive coach, you know, a, a defensive yeah. coach he would be coming in. But that reputation yep. precedes him apparently more than I even realized. And then one of the great things, and and I know Caleb's been in when uh, Tony White has talked before, but he's talked a lot about how seamless the transition has been with him and these other coaches. And one guy, and I talk about Terrence Knighton all the time, Brunt, my coworker uh, at 24-7, has, has mentioned Rob Dvorak, the linebackers coach. We got to also shout out how well he's done. And Caleb said this too. You think of all the different types of linebackers that they have. Yeah. One of the cool things about this defense and the way that it's set up is you can take a guy like Nick Henrich and you put him on the field in the situation. Like, it's like platooning against the pitcher type in baseball. Yeah. Like, you've got a great, <laughs> you know, right-handed hitter who mashes lefties, but he's never going to hit righties. You're not, you're not putting him out there against righties. What happens? Pen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His numbers look great. And then on the other side of things, when there is a righty out there, you found the lefty slap hitter that's putting it down the line, getting on base and everything else. That's what they're doing with right. this linebacker rotation. Right. I mean, it's a bunch got, of specialists. Yeah, you have Makai Bear when you need spacing. You have John Bullock when you need coverage. You have Nick Henrich if you got to go forward. Like mm-hmm. to be able to do all of that. And you know what name I'm not even saying because he hasn't played for two weeks. 
Luke Reimer. Luke Reimer. <laughs> who arguably was their best, best player linebacker. on the defense, maybe. And yeah. it doesn't feel like they miss him, and that's yeah. not a slight at all at Luke Reimer. No. That's to talk up the rotation and how well they have mixed and matched against the defenses. And then here's here's the other thing that seems so simple. They're playing against the opponent. Like they they match up really well against bad offensive teams. And what does the Big Ten West have in droves? <laughs> and what have they had almost forever? <laughs> Boring, conservative teams that are more than happy to take the four-yard throws, not threaten you down the field, and it's true. also want to run the ball. So if you eliminate their ability to run the ball, and you're like, okay, make your quarterback, and we could read through the names of these guys that are on Nebraska's schedule, make that guy beat you. Yeah. Make that guy beat you. Teams aren't really going to, like, Shador Sanders beat Nebraska. Right. The only, and, and J.J. McCarthy did too, but it wasn't so much. I mean, he was phenomenal, and he right. could have been even better. They could have done it without him. Right. Yeah. I don't think, and I guess you could say, you know, they did win the game. I don't think Ethan Calacamanis won that game so much as his wide receiver's little toe just touching that exact Man, spot did. That game is going to burn for a long <laughs> Right. Every week throughout the season, that game's going to burn more, I have a feeling. Yeah. Um, One it, more thought on why the defense has been yeah. successful this year as well, and uh, you've heard the coaching staff talk about it. A lot of times you hear in these transitions, and Matt Rule has done the exact opposite of this, but they, they kind of... And even as fans, you poo-poo the previous regime, right? Like it's, okay, well, everything they did was wrong. Mm -hmm. But on the defensive side of the ball, they have talked quite a bit, Tony White especially has talked quite a bit, about how his predecessors set a good foundation for these guys to come in seamlessly into what he wanted to do. And and that's, that's something that, although we did see... The defense is not play great at times, yeah. especially when you talk about getting to a one-dimensional team. Georgia Southern last year, you knew they were going to continue to pass the ball, and they were going to pass it quick and pass it short, and there were never any adjustments. Yeah. So much of that comes back to in-game coaching as opposed to the players having an inability to defend it. We see a lot of those same guys this year having an ability to defend that type of a game because of a foundation that they have, and now you mix that in with rotating a bunch of guys uh, at linebacker, having some defensive linemen that can get home, and this coaching staff, the way they're designing and scheming the defense and making those adjustments in the game. Ooh, it's crazy to think about Georgia Southern game just a year ago, a little over a year ago now, and the way that they move the ball. Just to put a top, you guys were uh, exactly I'm right on with everything you said. Just I guess if you ask me, like the things that surprised me about the defense coming in, I didn't expect Nash Hutmaker to be this good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, think and, I don't think anyone did. I don't think anyone over there, if you gave them true serum, would tell you that they thought they were going to have an all Big Ten yeah. nose guard. And I also didn't anticipate how important that could be. Yeah. Like, I mean, how important one guy at that position, I think, uh, and there's been a lot of guys who have played well. Mm-hmm. But, man, you have that guy doing that. That is a foundation for that defense. I think, I think. the expectation for him was plug a gap. Yeah, like like be there, plug yes. a gap, just be, be a, a body, be a big body, get in the way, and instead he's he's plugged a gap and said, "I'm going to take the next gap with me." Right. So <laughs> I'm going to take three offensive linemen on Man, one. There play. are plays this year that he's that hasn't even been in the play where he's yeah. just. He, he, I can't I can't believe how good he's been. It's and I want to know who. I mean, he obviously gets credit for that. I don't know how much Terrence Knighton gets credit for that. Right. I don't know if just aging and being in the weight program gets credit for that. Well, it, but it's that's a about as, it's about as big of a yeah. jump from one year to the next as you'll ever see. 
And it's, I think it, it reflects a little bit of what uh, Caleb was talking about with Tony White talking about the previous staff. I mean, they they assembled some talent here, and yeah, this staff is benefiting from the breakouts of Jamari Butler and Javin Wright, right, and Nash Hutmacher, and a better, more consistent Ty Robinson, and the best version of Nick Henrich that we've seen. And guess what? These are all people you were excited about when they were recruits. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's like, true. Like you know. One of the reasons you don't have to run down everything the previous staff did, chances are they had some good things happen, too. They just didn't get to make enough good things happen that they got to experience some of these players and the breakouts that they're having. The other things I didn't anticipate is for the tackling ability to be able to change from one year to the next as much as it did. Maybe I should have. Maybe it's about how they practice. Maybe it's about coaching. I just didn't. (laughs) Is it Miles Farmer talking about how they, what is it, thud, where they they didn't wrap up for basically the entire year? I mean, yeah. That was after the Oklahoma game, maybe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of remember that. That was bad. Well, Schaefer, you you talk about the the previous staff bringing in a lot of good guys, but not getting to experience them breaking out. The reason that they're breaking out now, go down the roster and look down all of the all of the guys, not not the transfers, but all the guys that came in as freshmen. How many of them redshirted? Right. It is so many across the board that redshirted and got just that extra year. Plus the COVID and, and, and year. Then, and then for some of these older guys, if they got the COVID year as well. But that extra year makes such a difference for some of these guys that you come in and you go, okay, well, maybe they could have used him that freshman year or something happened and they had to redshirt their sophomore, whatever it was. But those guys could have helped out the previous staff. I don't know that it helps them out enough. Get to a bowl game makes a big enough difference, but they would have made a they would have made at least some impact. And that staff said no long term for this program and for that player. They need a red shirt. And now mm-hmm. this staff is reaping the benefits for a number of the players. Yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. And then the other thing I throw on on the thing that surprised me, you guys touched on this, is just I didn't know. I mean, I didn't when I pictured this defense. I pictured thirteen guys playing. I you know when I that's kind of how I you uh, pictured not needing that roster. I next pictured to your, fourteen guys play. I was not. Table. I'll be honest. I, I did not spend this summer talking about Makai Bear. I just mystery I guy. You know why? Because I had no idea who he was. <laughs> I didn't. And I but and even guys I did know who they were. I wasn't spending. I wasn't talking about Javen Wright like you talked about. Or I mean, pick 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 your guy. <laughs> like, I had this imaginary vignettes playing in my head of like Caleb and I just giving you different quizzes on defensive players. <laughs> right, right. Like and you're just like little montages of you studying and shaking your head in disgust and flipping over your Mountain Dew bottle. I had no idea. And I, then by the end of it, that is correct. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I, I did I didn't expect Lenhart to come in like he did, right? I didn't guys like Prince Will and Riley Van Poppel, I didn't expect yep. them to be doing what they're doing here at this point. I mean, player after player. Even, you can go even Omar Brown and Singleton to end, end of the season, but those guys played better than I realized that, that they would, too, um, as basically kind of newcomers to everyday players. So all of those things. So we got to take a break. But there you go. You know, uh, I'm, I'm glad we had that segment because – I feel like 90% of the conversation I participated in after this game has been about the offense. And really about this season has been about the offense. And we'll have those conversations throughout the day. But the reason Nebraska is in a somewhat encouraging spot right now where you're looking at the schedule and saying, hey, a bowl game is in the cards here at this point is 100% because because of the defense. And I feel like we don't talk about them all that much. So we did it there. All right, 632. We'll see what the coach had to say this week. Coming up after this for the sound off on KLIN.
Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, this is fun. Pick number nine, fantasy Huskers. No Husker game, so we are allowing you to pick a new team for an adoption for one week before you get back to the Huskers next week to uh, cheer for. And a top 25 team, a good team, too. Trying to pick the one that scores the most <laughs> it's points. It's a good team. Look at you. Oh, wow, this is fun. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I believe I gave out Wake Forest last year against Clemson, and that they, they right. won this. They, that sounds oh, right. Oh, yeah, you were good at this. Uh, so we are looking for the top 25 team that scores the most points. We'll run down what's off the board here in a second. But, Caleb, let's get the keyword first. What is your keyword? Friday. Friday. F-R-I-D-A-Y. Sorry, I'm typing while Friday. I write, so I'm afraid I was going to miss uh, that. Uh, okay, so let's go through. All right, you tell me who's picked. I'm going to tell, tell, tell you guys who they play, and then we'll go through what's left here. So uh, Harry the Antenna Guy has number one Georgia at Vanderbilt. All right. Uh, I think good, but that really screams like thirty-eight to three to me. So I don't know about that. Aren't, isn't Georgia favored by like forty though? I know, but it just screams thirty-eight. To, <laughs> it screams thirty-eight to three. It screams the same thing Michigan probably will do in their game. Hey, great teams cover. Yeah, Natalie has number two Michigan hosting Indiana. It also, sounds like a thirty-eight to three game. Same situation. TJ taking number six, Penn State, hosting UMass. I like, I think that one might be the only thing, because James Franklin often doesn't call off the dogs, and UMass is bad. So that one, I like that. That might be my favorite pick of the week. All right. Dion taking number eight, Oregon, at number seven, Washington. I think that one might end up being a little lower scoring than everybody thinks. Ben with number 10, USC, at number 21, Notre Dame. Do you really can you really see US what do you got what do you got to get to win this thing 40 50 points 50 points almost it don't was you think in the 50s last Yeah you got to get to you 50s. probably got to get to 50s USC scoring 50 on Notre Dame eh, maybe <coughs> maybe doubt it All right what else we Excuse got Excuse me Number 1 Debbie taking number 11 Alabama hosting Arkansas Alabama again it seems like one of those teams that could score a lot but doesn't always and they they run the ball a lot so We'll see. Catherine with number 14, Louisville, at Pitt. Yeah. I yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. Think so. You think that on Pitt? Pitt's terrible. Okay. All right. I was going to. I was I'd gonna say be... this is someone who took Pitt as an upset pick at least <laughs> once this year. I mean, they gave up 38 points to Virginia Tech. Yeah. Oh, 41 to North Carolina. Okay. Okay. Good. Fair enough. Fair enough. There, that's a possible one. Seven to Wofford. And our, <laughs> our, our last one that we've got in, number 16, Utah. Hosting Cal, that pick in from Lewis. Taking Utah? Uh, no. I'm going to say no on that one. So there's still a lot Utah, of good... U- Utah doesn't have their quarterback still. and With two picks to go, I think there is, there's still quality you, out there. What are you there. taking off the board now? You, you, you like all, you get Ohio State against Purdue you could take. You take Washington against Oregon. Someone took Oregon, Oregon against Washington. Um Maybe uh, uh, somebody in that Tennessee-Texas A&M game or the LSU. LSU, I would think about picking against Auburn. I I think there's a good chance that because they don't have to win, you know, so I think someone in that that Tennessee game 
You know, you could just put up also, a bunch of points. you could luck out by getting something that goes to overtime or triple overtime or something like I that. I hate the overtimes now, though, because then they start going, you have to go for two, yeah. and the points don't rack up they don't as last. much. It's not as, it's not as crazy. <laughs> so, All right, well, text in Friday right now to 402-479-1400, and you might get the choice that we are trying to talk you through right now. If you don't get it, one more chance this morning at 810. All right, with that said, we've got some sound and video clips if you're watching at facebook.com slash LNK today of what the coaches had to say this week. So, Caleb, what do we have first today? Well, Matt Rule gave the announcement that Marcus Washington done for the year with the AC with the torn ACL after two plays at Illinois and uh, talked about just all of those injuries and, and everything that has impacted the offense this year. You know, I, I've never been a part of this, to be honest with you, this many offensive injuries and defections. You know, I mean, you, you come out of last spring, obviously you're thinking Eric's going to be a big part of things. Unfortunately, Eric's, you know, gone through what he's gone through, right? Xavier leaves the team. Isaiah gets hurt. Uh, Marcus gets hurt. I'm probably forgetting somebody. So I've never been a part of, uh, you know, Ramirez gets hurt. Gabe gets hurt. So I think the offensive staff's doing a great job of coaching. It limits you a little bit in some of the things that you maybe want to do. Um, but at the same time, it's an opportunity for guys to go play. And those young guys, since the day I got here, I told you, hey, they're going to be really good. They just got to be really good now. <laughs> the least impacted position group on offense has been the offensive line. In injuries, you're right. That's true. That's true. And they haven't had really any problems at all this year, other than Prohaska kind of coming back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, it, and it's, man, I... I Kept thinking Washington was gonna get more, more involved. Was gonna be more, and and he had a big catch against Michigan at the beginning of the second half. Had a big catch right before he got hurt in in this game, as well. Um, and it seemed like maybe he and Sims had a little bit more, um, a little bit more chemistry early in the season because he was out the first half two of that Minnesota game, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't he? He was and um, had some illnesses, I think, that he was dealing with as well, so he just never was able to really get on track. Oh, right. And, wasn't, wasn't there a suspension for the first yeah, half? Yeah, it was a suspension for something. God, that feels like forever uh, ago. That first half of the, the Minnesota game, and then he came in in the second half and had a couple of catches. I think he only ended up with eight or nine catches mm-hmm. for the whole season, which is just you know not, not what you'd like to see but there. But like, like Rule noted, the second-to-last play for Marcus Washington, potentially of his collegiate career, 40-yard bomb to get them off of the goal line. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it was a, that play, as I was watching at your house, mm. you you just have the goal line stand, and then you start going, well, oh no, you could still have disaster here. You mm-hmm. could still turn the ball over. You could still get a safety. You could still get a, hold, a holding in the end zone. Like, all of the things that could go wrong. And then they just... Throw it up. It right. ends up being a back shoulder because it's a little bit underthrown back towards the sideline. Washington adjusts to it, catches the ball, and, and it's like, hey, it's going to get rolling one play later. And you're going, oh no, yeah. what, like what? Oh, he's down. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to really evaluate the impact of this because he was just so they couldn't get him really involved in the offense for the most part for whatever reason, Mike. Yeah, a lot of I mean, there's a lot of reasons for it, and some of it through his own create like he. To Nebraska, it's a big deal because he's your nominally your number two wide receiver. I mean, he just wasn't going to win a lot of one on ones. When he was going to win them, you had to put the ball in a tight situation. His hands are a little suspect. And again, I don't want to. Uh, he is important for what Nebraska doesn't have, which is a lot of wide receiver depth. Right. Um, but he was always going to be a guy that was probably going to finish around three fifty to four hundred yards receiving, mm-hmm. which again valuable for Nebraska, but it's not. Um, it's not like. 
something that most teams most teams aren't in this situation where you're this uh, upset by. But Nebraska needs wide receivers, and now you're basically looking at all of these freshmen that have to play. Alex Bullock has to be more involved. Right. He's basically going to be your de facto replacement of Marcus Washington. Yeah. Um, and, Washington would have been a phenomenal number three wide receiver. Yeah. Like, well, like, and, and that, that's where his skill set set up. Him being out yeah. there, let's say you still had Samori Toure. Like, like if you, you had a guy like that, mm-hmm. you, you had any of your last couple of receivers that have gone to the NFL, and it's, okay, there's the deep threat, that would have opened up so well, that much was last for Marcus. Yeah, 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 I was yeah, going to yeah, say, Palmer. the best version of Marcus Washington was last year when yeah. Trey Palmer was commanding so much attention, you could get a one-on-one Which, with him. That and that's what win. happened against Iowa. He mm-hmm. got got a touchdown, mm-hmm. you know, a, a touchdown against Iowa, got open, Palmer took the attention, and... And he got it. Yeah. Uh, Alex Bullock, Ty Han had a catch. We heard about him yep. quite a bit in, in fall camp, and he was how, out there as well. How's about and, this? Besides Malachi Coleman getting a catch, that dude went down through some blocks. Yeah. He, he has a couple of times this year. I, I, I like it. Big bodied out there, not afraid to get in front of some people, and that I mean, typically earns you more playing time. You've watched Lincoln East more than anybody in this room. I mean, I tweeted about this immediately, but even before he ever had the Nebraska offer, I remember watching him block is very specifically Lincoln Southeast and he just crushed a kid like blocking is not going to be a problem for Malachi mm-hmm. Coleman uh the effort determination all of that's been there and so to watch him do that and basically just take that guy like just <laughs> took his soul out of his body I know I was excited Caleb can confirm I was very excited at the block all on, of Le- on the all of, East Le- all of East Lincoln can confirm I'm, very, I, I'm biased in his favor I will definitely admit that um but he also he was out there a ton after that injury though I mean I mm-hmm. noticed him on the the majority Good. of the snaps after him. that and I, I, I'll be uh, what real quick well we're gonna talk more about this in the morning drive so I'll save the the further conversation on that for a little bit later but Mike I eventually want to hear what you think about how Lloyd and Doss figure into uh, after this as well but oh let's yeah move we, on. We, we yeah we'll need to talk about just the young wide receivers yeah. as a whole we'll move it let's move to the next one here rule now. was asked if Heinrich Harburg had solidified himself as the starter yeah I mean I, I think Heinrich Heinrich's uh, prepared at a high level to get himself ready to play I think that room has that culture. You know, you uh, you know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Have Chubba not gotten hurt that day, I'm not so sure Chubba wouldn't have gone out there first. And I think Chubba would have done the same thing. And that's not a knock on Heinrich. I just think that room is, you know, Jeff's out there. You know, he's back healthy now. Jeff's out there. He's competing like crazy. Uh, we have three quarterbacks that I I, I believe we can win with. And um, I only say that because I said that. I think Steve asked me that before the first game. I said I think we have three quarterbacks we can win with. Um, each has their own strengths, and you have to kind of tailor what we're doing to each guy. But, um, yeah, I think Heinrich was ready for his moment, and he's capitalized on it. Um, uh, he has a long way to go. He's leaving a lot of things out there. Um, he's learning how to, you know, the wear and tear of running him as many times as we're doing. You know, that, that can have an effect on you. And um, he's, I think he's, but he's gaining that, he's gaining that knowledge of, hey, here's how I can best take care of myself and prepare each week. And then I think Marcus is doing a good job of finding the throws that he feels comfortable with, right? Um, Basically, most teams now are they're rushing three and they're playing man and they're dropping guys off and they're trying to make sure he doesn't leave the pocket and trying to not chip balls down because of his release. And um, so our defense is starting trying to knock the ball down. So he's he's having to work through that, but he's got takes great ownership. I have a lot of respect for Heinrich. He 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 had a ball batted down today and he was like, "That's all me." Like he he gets he gets angry at himself. So I think he'll turn himself into a really good player. Now, in a clip we won't have time to get to because uh, we'll probably only have like one more clip. But uh, Rule also said that all the quarterbacks are healthy, including Jeff Sims, 
and that it's it remains an open competition for the position. But if a game was played today, and this was on Tuesday, Harburg would be the starter. Yeah, so how do you guys interpret all that for what's going to happen the rest of the year? Exactly? I'll tell you what I don't really believe. <laughs> what's that? That they would have the same record of... Chubba Purdy had started those three okay, games. Fair enough. So we'll start with that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just point, go ahead and I appreciate taken. the the attempt. I don't believe it. Well, what do we go going into next week? It sounds. I mean, if you take him at his word, at least now, and I don't know what this means. And I, and and again, for me, like I'm not losing sleep over it um, in terms of in terms of who it is because I still don't know that it's super clear what the best choice is here and. Like, there's a part of me where I'm like, you kind of got to put some trust in the guys who have watched these guys all year during practice to to make this decision. But yeah, and I, like, because like, we don't get to see the practices, this is why I get so jealous when guys like John Bishop talk about what it was, what it used to be like to go to practices so often, and you could see all the things, and you could actually break down where guys are and have the stats from them. But we don't see how Jeff Sims performed outside of those first two games. Is he a turnover machine in those, or was it just he started to press in those games? Because if he's not a turnover machine, then I can see why the why the coaching staff would like him over Harburg with his body size, with the fact that he's got more experience. I don't know that he's worlds better than Harburg to where after the turnovers they wouldn't have made a change, but I could see why they would still like him in certain aspects and the fact that Heinrich has not t- completely taken the job and said, this is mine and there's no way anyone can ever yeah. get it back. Yeah. Yeah. Your thoughts, Mike? Yeah. I mean, I, I clearly a, a couple weeks ago basically said I would make Heinrich Harburg my starter for mm-hmm. the rest of the year. Um, a lot of that has at this point to me feels like he's probably earned a ton of respect in that locker room. I mean, I think at this point, if you make that switch, you're going against the culture and the which the mindset that you've already kind saying. of built. Um, yeah. So to me, there's that aspect of it. And then I don't. Some people might just shake their head at this and completely disagree. I also think you have to look at the team structure of which when Jeff Sims played and what it looks like now. Heinrich Harburg spent the last four weeks starting as players have just dropped off mm-hmm. entirely. Like, he is completely familiar what it's like to be in the run of play, and your wide receivers are Alex Bullock, Malachi Coleman, and Ty Hahn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeff Sims doesn't. Yeah, he hasn't been sure. around that. His two starts, Nebraska was healthy for the most part. They didn't have Isaiah Garcia, Castaneda, and Xavier Betts. Yeah. But now, when he were to go into a game, there's no Ramir Johnson, there's no Gabe Irvin, there's no Marcus Washington. You know, like those things kind of matter. And um, I also just think the structure of which how they're going to have to play also makes me lean more toward more towards Heinrich Harburg. I'm more comfortable with him as a runner for whatever reason. Uh, I think part of it is because I think in my head I never really viewed Jeff Sims as a running quarterback, and I know he had a really nice game against Minnesota, uh, but I just I I feel more comfortable with Heinrich Harburg running the football as well. I and and frankly, the reasons you just gave perhaps is what influenced Rule to say what he did right to this at this point because he's never sounded like that before. Yeah, and that I think that is notable, and then especially you know with the clip that isn't going to be played that Caleb talked about where. If if you take him at his word, which I don't know how much you should as far as the health of the quarterbacks, yeah. Jeff Sims has been close to healthy for however many weeks, mm-hmm. even though behind the scenes I don't think that's truly been right. the case. Um I it does seem like they're 
they're just planning on harboring right. going forward. And, and it may be, uh, I have about the least hot take in the world. Like, there's ne- neither decision would make me furious. Like, I don't know that you could get too upset one way or right. the other. And I'm sure. Well, you say that, but I can guarantee you it's 225 on October 21st. And if they're playing the projected starters on the board and Jeff Sims shows up, right. I yeah. may not be people, only, yeah. people will boo. And that's oh. un- and to me, that's unfortunate because I think a, a healthy Jeff Sims is obviously in the conversation. And if he's, again, not turning the ball over. Right. But, and, and I don't think Heinrich Harburg has ran away with the job. But I agree with you, Mike, in that I don't think Harburg has done anything to lose the right. job either. Yep. Yeah. Um, It'll be one one real quick thing I can say, and this is from hearing from some people who know, and then even just watching some of the videos and the documentaries and the the back stuff that the Huskers have put out is that Jeff Sims, and at least should be noted that that guy is is still. I mean, he it looks like he's handled this whole situation as good as possible, being involved, be still being a team player, still being a team leader, all of those things, and so. Yes. I'm sure there's at least a part of the coaching staff that in their they are like we we feel like we want to reward him at least for going through that and and having that situation. But I don't know if they'll have a chance. Well, well you look you look back two years ago when ultimately the coaching staff said, "Fine, we'll make a change and we'll roll we'll roll some backups out there." And Adrian Martinez, though healthy enough to play, did not start. And you saw all the stuff happen in the locker room yeah. and how engaged he still was. Jeff Sims, although not healthy enough to go, you've watched it in all of these pregames when Harburg is going through, both him and Purdy, going through the warm-ups, the progressions, the passes. Sims will go put his arm around Heinrich right. and say, hey, and you can see him pointing out how yeah. to throw a fade ball that yeah. like, Harburg just doesn't throw very well. Yeah. But he's going through and trying to still help out in every aspect of this game. Tremendous teammate from that, right. from what we're able to I view mean, there. Harburg's mom was tweeting out how great he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sims was. Yeah. Which I thought was was interesting. Uh, all right. Did we go too long on that one? Yeah, we we, we might have time. I got a couple of longer clips. That, all right. Maybe we'll we save those. We can to. save those for later in the show. We we, uh, we don't really have an opposition disposition this week, so we could uh, get into some more of those then if we want to. All right. We'll take our break right now. It is 6.53. It's Friday Husker Tailgate by week edition with Mike, Caleb, and me, Jack. We'll take a break. More after this on KLIN. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. All right, 655. Uh, Caleb, we talked about the Washington injury. I know the sort of media um, appearances have been a little bit more few and far between in a bye week. Any, we any, other, newsy, any other newsy things that... Uh, we need to get to that. I mean, the Washington thing obviously is significant, but I don't know that we're watching any other injuries real closely here. Are yeah, we? just trying to see if anyone else who, who's been hurt when, when they can come back because you obviously had guys that were out like Deshaun Singleton. You had Luke Reimer out um, wanting to see yeah. guys get fully healthy that have been a little bit banged up. We saw Cam Lenart come back, but can they get fully healthy? Yeah, he still seems like he's not. I didn't count the snaps, but Lenart doesn't seem like he's playing a ton. No, there's that. And then guys who maybe aren't so much hurt as much as they're developing. Rule talked about earlier this week. He wants to see Riley Van Poppel playing more going through going down this last half of the season. Uh, the biggest thing, coaching staff out and about recruiting, you, you'll, see, you'll see pictures of them and video out from, at, from them at games tonight. They were at games yesterday. They were at Papillion yesterday. Yeah. I don't know if it was at, yeah, I think it was at Papillion against seeing uh, Eric Ingwersen, the tight yeah. end, right? 
uh, tight end who committed to Pitt and switched over to Nebraska. So more tight ends. I like more tight ends. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just expert analysis. I love tight ends. I need yeah, good stuff. Keep bringing in, bring the tight ends in droves until you find some, find some really good ones. I cannot you? wait for the the college football video game to come out, and you are just recruiting nothing but twenty five tight ends it. every class and converting them it. all to different. Positions. Just got my left tackle. <laughs> playing a tight you end. You can catch a pass if we need to set up a special play. That's a good point. That's a good idea, actually. Now that you mention it, um, yeah. And so we don't. Is there? Uh, is, is 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 there a hope that Reimer might come back? Do you know anything? Did he say anything about that here? I know it's kind of an illness situation that it's. I been. think I think they're hoping he yeah. he can be back, and the okay. bye week comes at a tremendous time. Right. That, that you can get these guys a little bit of an extended rest. Yeah. And and is the is the thought that Singleton is? I again, just tell me if there has been hasn't been an update on this. But is the thought that maybe Singleton still will get get back at some point during this season? I don't remember hearing an update, but I think the, the thought process was for it just to be a couple of weeks right. if they could get him back. And I want I think they talked maybe about Buford also who they, hasn't they played want, yet this so year. So they want Buford to especially for the last four games. So they can still use his red shirt yeah. during this year. Uh, which boy, if you could add Singleton and Buford back to that secondary, that would be be a pretty big boon for the end of the year, especially if you keep especially against somebody like Maryland. Um that might be that might be uh, real significant as well. So we'll be uh, keeping an eye on that and hear more about it next week. All of those injury situations. All right, we're going to grab our break right now. Back after more. Back after this for more on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers, auction pitch out to the side. It's a touchdown, Nebraska. Think fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. Collect the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Into the 40, 35, 30. Breaks the tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody's thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium. Upside down right now. Reed eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics. Who showed out this week? We award helmet stickers next. Presented by Blur Events on 1499.3 KLIN. So for those of you who listen to the show and follow me on Twitter, I did a little analysis of our helmet stickers <laughs> this year. Just to just to paint a picture of how little, at least the three of us, maybe you all knew exactly what was going to happen this year and we're just the idiots here. But just our... Inability, and I guess Mike, you're kind of out of this too because Josh picked your team for you. So you're so, so maybe yeah, it's just none of me, those picks were like horrifyingly bad. See, you probably <laughs> you okay. took the starting kicker, right? The starting uh, quarterback. I think I have Billy Kemp, so the the number one wide receiver, and then I think I have one defensive uh, player. T- you have MJ Sherman. Yeah, that, that was probably the, was the only pick where I'd have been like, yeah, that you know, whatever. But, but we, I, I, I did a deep dive and looked at the what we do at the beginning of the year. If you listen to the show, is we have 
it's kind of a dorky thing to do, but it's what we do in week zero where we do a fantasy. It's a fantasy draft for our own contest. Yeah. It's very meta, <laughs> right? It's a fantasy draft for our own contest. We try and it's basically us trying to predict who the players who are going to be most recognized this year, who are going to stand out the most are. And we did that on before week one. And here's what we ended up with. You, Mike just mentioned Josh Peterson picked your team, but it was Jeff Sims, Billy Kemp, MJ Sherman, Tristan Alvano. Um, I, my team was Gabe Irvin, Isaiah Garcia, Castaneda, Luke Reimer, Thomas Fedoni. So grab some bubble wrap, yeah. Tom. And, uh, Caleb had Ramir Johnson, Brian Buschini, Quentin Newsom, and Deshaun Singleton. So it wasn't necessarily even as much that we were completely incorrect in our suspicions about who would be good. It's just that we picked a lot of guys. They've had a lot of injuries. Seriously, too. of the 12 guys that we picked in this, Six of them have missed multiple games for injuries. Six, half of what we thought were the most significant players, and two, two of those six who are playing are the punter and the kicker, right? So there are th- that leaves four guys who have been healthy throughout the year on this, which would be Billy Kemp, MJ Sherman, Thomas Fedoni, and Newsom. That's it. So four, you have four position players of what we thought were the top 10, top 12 who are actually doing this. And then you look at our rankings and who's leading this. You've got to go down all the way to one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh place, a tie for seventh place until you find any of the people we drafted where Brian Buschini, Quentin Newsom, and Thomas Fedoni are tied for two. Above that, here are your actual rankings, guys that were not picked. Nash Hutmaker. We did not have not Nash Hutmaker in our top 12, guys. Probably the best player on the team now. Nash Hutmaker, number one uh, this year. Heinrich Harburg, understandably, we didn't think he was going to be playing. He's in second. Uh, Makai Bear, as I said, I didn't know who he was, so I would not have been able to pick him at that time. Mystery he's, guy. He's tied at third with Josh Fleeks, which is a little bit of a fluky situation there because it's all based on one play when there wasn't anything else. Cam Lenhart. As I said, I don't think we, you know, I think Mike probably knew the most about him, but I don't know if you even expected him to come out like he did at the beginning of the year. Uh, and then I think Omar Brown, who I, we just didn't know a ton about what he was going to look like coming into this year playing full time. It was hard to know as well. With a lot of these guys, and this kind of speaks to, to the way the defense is played and how many different people they played, you just didn't know what playing time was going to look mm-hmm. like. I mean, exactly. Hutmaker's the only one of the first ones that you mentioned that was an unquestioned starter. Right. Nobody was taking his job. Right. Yeah, I wonder how many more rounds we would have needed to actually get to Hutmaker on this list. Maybe a couple more still. Uh, it's it, it's hard to tell, but it gives you it. It just really it's just something to remember when and and for me to remember every year when we go through summer and we talk about the same guys and the same things over and over and over again. And we have these expectations. This is how it's going to go. It very rarely goes like that during the course of the actual season. So, with that said. How about we give out some stickers for Illinois? Unlike the Michigan game, we got lots of choices on this one, I feel like. It's nice. It's very nice. So, uh, Caleb, uh, why don't you start us and tell us who you're giving your first helmet sticker to? My first one is going to Phelan Sanford, and he can put it on his helmet exactly where he shoved his helmet into that football and knocked it free. That was a guy that, as you've tried to see a defense go and create turnovers, he put his helmet as he dove into the Illinois player in the exact right spot to pop that football out into Tommy Hill's hands and create a turnover, short yardage situation for Nebraska. 
it was nice to see in his first start as he's been a stud on special teams to go out and and play defense for uh, the most extent for the longest extended time that he has and look good while he was out there. Yeah, um, he's he's been a, a nice fill-in, nice depth to have there, and he's been a great special teams player already this year. Got time last year. Great athlete, and that dude, you talked about this earlier, Mike, how you didn't see guys necessarily being aggressive, going for turnovers, Mm -hmm. whether it be getting balls batted down, whether it be, you know, going gambling for interceptions, or whether trying to strip the ball out. That guy, I don't know if he heard you, or if somebody told him, you got to go for ball. That guy, I've seen try and cause fumbles like five times in the last two weeks. Well, I mean, he's getting the playing time. He's just going for it. And you got to you got to respect that and you got to appreciate it. Yeah, with without a doubt. So uh he gets that and he's going to get some more time. Uh, like we said, Singleton maybe gets back a little bit later this year, but you feel pretty good with the experience that Sanford has and and a senior and his athleticism staying in there and and maybe getting Nebraska some more turnovers. All right, Mike, your first helmet sticker. Yeah, uh if we could um if we had like a helmet sticker minor league team like guys that we were just putting away on the bench that you maybe you call up when you have injuries might be something we consider in the future (laughs) that sort of thing i would have probably had this guy on it even though i wasn't sure how much he was going to play my favorite recruit from the 2023 class riley van poppel Mm. huge moment on friday he's in there like first of all i'm gonna go all the way back to the michigan game they're in the early in the second half and i look down on the defensive line, and it's Riley Van Poppel, Sula Fotu, and Ty Robinson. And all I can think to myself is, Matt Rule is a crazy person. <laughs> you know, like, conventional wisdom is you're not putting freshman defensive linemen in these situations against Big Ten teams. Uh, that's and funny. first of all, they look fine against Michigan. They didn't look out of place. I know Matt Rule talked about it, uh, you know, this week when, when asked about Riley Van Poppel. Move all the way to the Friday game. It's fourth and one at midfield. Riley Van Poppel's in. He is in. It is a critical moment, and you have a freshman defensive lineman in. Not only is he in, he stands his offensive lineman straight up. Leverage gets under him, stands him straight up. Running back goes straight into that guy's back. Nebraska's linebackers come around the side. Absolute one-on-one win for Riley Van Poppel. Critical play. Nebraska gets the offense back on the field. Helmet stick. I can't say it. I've given one to Riley Van Poppel too, and I can't say it any better than that. The only thing I say is he. I don't think you can. I don't think you can overstate the importance of those two plays at the goal line yeah. for not only that game but maybe Nebraska's season. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, it feels like if they get it in there, that game is dramatically different at that point. And. I was watching the replays and I was like, oh, I assume that's all Nash Hutmaker on that one. And Nash was in there and did fine. But it was on both of them. It was Riley Van Poppel who was the one my eyes went to when I, when I watched them. I didn't even realize he was on the goal line one. I knew I, I instantly saw him stand his guy up on the mm-hmm. 50 yard line. So I knew that was yeah, him. Yeah. I didn't realize he was necessarily the catalyst with the goal line it's, too. It's still, it's still a little hard to, uh, it's still a little hard to see on the replays right. what exactly, especially on that first play, the on that sneak, third down play. Yeah. I still can't quite tell what happened. Just I a just, mass of humanity. I just looked at the numbers as of who was in there on there and said, okay, those guys, I don't know what happened, but they did a good job, obviously. <laughs> because I've seen the Eagles do that, the Philadelphia Eagles right. do that thing at the goal line, and somehow Jalen Hurts ends up five yards into the end zone right. because it is a hard thing to do. You don't know when the snap's coming. Uh, just, just getting that stop, and... 
The other thing, Mike, just adding on to what you said, and you liked him as a recruit. I liked him on as a recruit because I had the Beckett baseball card price guide that his dad was on. Sure. Uh, Todd Van Poppel, who was uh, one of the hottest baseball cards of the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, But the other thing is, now, was he here in the spring? No. So he wasn't here in the spring. So he hasn't even been in the, you know, had a full... He's going to be a star. He hasn't had a full like I, weight room situation. Yeah. That's what I keep thinking about these freshmen, and I said this to you the other day, yep. Caleb. Some of these young guys, especially on the front lines that are getting in, they still have not been through this strength program, and right. sometimes you'll see a defense like that that's young but talented, and they're going to get pushed around and yeah. run on, and that's the opposite of what's happening. If I have the bio stuff correct, he's young, too. Like I think he turned 18 in May of last year, so he's still like he's going to turn 19 this upcoming May, he'll have gone through his first spring with the program, and he's already out there getting critical yeah. snaps for you as a freshman. And great to see I think that. he is going to be a potential star for this team. And as important as Hutmaker has been, it's great to see that you've got yeah. some depth at that And it's that not just him. Too. I mean, they have so many freshmen that are right. already contributing on right. that defensive Buckley line. Buckley has been going in there, too, yep. a little bit. Yep. And, yeah, it's good to see. All right, so tack I'll on, do that, too. Tack on a third one. Three for, for Riley. Ties Josh Fleeks. Uh, also, <laughs> single game among, performance um, among others. Uh, these standings are going to be so weird when this season is over. All right, then right back to you, Mike. Okay, well, uh, this one's a little bit different. Unlike Caleb, I'm not just gonna, I'm not just going to to ignore my responsibility to hand out helmet stickers. But <laughs> I am going to create a subcategory that houses multiple players that fit this category from the Illinois game. Give a helmet sticker to the walk-on program. Let's walk through what we saw on Friday. John Bullock, walk-on, linebacker, second on the team, I believe, in tackles in that game against Illinois. Alex Bullock, his brother, two critical catches on third down to extend drives. Grant Taggy, walk-on, recovers the fumble and special teams involved on the block punt. Been a good special teams player for you. Phelan Sanford, walk-on, forces the fumble. Isaac Gifford. Walk on. Gray shirt. Had to wow. walk on first. Best game of his career. He would normally have gotten a helmet sticker by himself, but you look at what that walk on program has given Nebraska. And there's more guys, and those are just the first ones that I'm rattling off. We talk about it a lot, and then we sometimes forget in the actual run of play, in the actual game, Nebraska, all of these injuries, transition year from coaching staff to a different coaching staff. Look at those five. They're all in-state kids, too. They're all Nebraska boys that came here with the dream, went through it, stuck it out, and it's hard. It is. There's a lot of talented high school kids I've seen go through the walk-on program mm-hmm. and quit after a year. Mm-hmm. These dudes didn't. They deserve the recognition. The walk-on program, which sometimes gets propped up when it doesn't need to be, absolutely deserves to be propped up this year. Did you year. say Sanford? You I said, said Sanford. Yeah. Sanford, the Bullocks. I was just trying to remember mm-hmm. all of them now. Sanford, the Bullocks. I didn't even. Grant Taggy. Tag, taggy out yeah. with the fumble recovery. That's, um, yeah, that's cool. That's that's very cool. And, and by the way, just as an aside, as you said that, I was thinking, I was like, you know, w- w- however people are feeling about the season right now, they're feeling, right? And you're three and three, and um, I, they're, they're disparate opinions about where things are and what the future holds right now. But on the other hand, can you imagine sort of giving some selective facts to a certain sect of Husker fans about this season and what they would, whether they would respond to it? You'd say, well, the walk-on, walk-on program is significant. It's, it's guys, and it's guys from Nebraska, and they are, they are, 
they are participating. They're being incredibly significant in games, and it's because of their hard work and dedication, like Mike was just talking about. You've got you've got a quarterback from the state of Nebraska that is hard nosed and runs the ball and is working a little old school option. And oh, by the way, Ron Brown drew up the plays. You've got a black shirt defense that, as as I'll use the word, that is as physical as you've seen in years. And you are stopping the run, and you're doing decently at running the ball as well. I mean, we are painting, at least in part when I use these selective facts, like the dream of a whole lot of Nebraska fans, right? Which is, it's it's just interesting to see some of the cries that have been out there over the years for these exact things, yet it doesn't necessarily feel like you've got all that many people that are celebrating <laughs> these things. And I don't know what gives in that in that situation exactly, but so many of those things uh, are there that people have wanted to see for a long time. Uh, all right, I am going to, uh, I'm going to, so build off yours. I'm going to give one of those specific walk-ons you mentioned. I've got to give Isaac Gifford uh, one specifically. And that's, that's a great, th- that's great where, game. That's where my third one I re well. I re-watched that game, uh, and on the second watch a little more closely, I I did not realize how much he did in that game and how versatile he is. Like he broke up, I don't know what the pass breakup numbers for three. him, but it seems like did he, he have three pass three. breakups? The highest for the year. Yeah, pass breakups. Um, but he's on. You know, he's in on run stopping. He's kind of a. I don't know. He I don't know what he weighs, but he looks like. I mean, he looks like a bigger guy for that position. Obviously, they kind of had him as a hybrid linebacker. Last year, been great in coverage, great in tackling. He's put pressure on in the backfield for guys before. He's been good in coverage. I mean, he's one of the more versatile players on defense that I've seen in a lot of years and just gets it done. And then, man, if you watched if you watched that video that Nebraska put out on YouTube, he had one of the best all-time speeches before a, in addition to Matt Rule, but hearing him fire up the team in the leadership position on the defense mm-hmm. coming from where he did uh, and being kind of the younger brother of his older brother into the program. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched him play in high school a whole bunch, but he's, I think, in terms of consistency on defense this year, He's. I don't know if anybody matches it uh, the, for what he said. And they were really praising him. They were really laying it on him in this fall camp when they were talking about him. And now I see why. I'm just incredibly impressed with him. And as, as we've talked about all of the different skill sets of the linebackers to go in in different positions, Isaac Gifford kind of can be out there for just about all of them. But it really sets up well for him when they do stop the run and then he has to be in coverage a little bit more. He he does well on some of those guys across the middle, and obviously you saw that happen against Illinois. Granted, we'll still bring it back to not a great Illinois offense, but he did his job, and he did it extremely yeah. well. Eight tackles, one tackle for loss, or a half tackle for loss, three pass breakups in, in that game. Got an interception this year as well, and so, yeah, he's been really significant. So Isaac Gifford will get two. Um, and then we go back to Mike then for his final one. Yeah, you know, we're we're at the stage here with the helmet sticker thing where I eliminated a number of players by giving it to the walk-on program, <laughs> uh, leaving myself seemingly not that many options. But as I'm looking at it now, there's a lot of good individual single-play moments. We could talk about the Malachi block. We could talk about the Ethan Piper block yeah. that sprung the touchdown run. But where we're going to go with this, we are going to give a helmet sticker to Tommy Hill. And here's why. Wow. Him being there to catch that ball as it popped out 
eliminated a needless review in which they would have had to determine whether enough had happened that that was going to be a fumble. He was uh, right there on the spot. He, you know, fumble, catch, interception, whatever, whatever we want to call it. Tommy Hill just eliminates that. Yep. And we know there's nothing more that the Big Ten loves than needless reviews. True. <laughs> so he saved us a little bit of time on a game that was already three hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> and then he ran about 50 yards horizontally yes. to gain like eight yards. And vertically. here's the other thing. That's the first time anyone's seen him catch a ball this year. He doesn't actually have a catch, does he? Wow. No. That's he doesn't incredible. have an interception. He doesn't have a catch. He now uh, has this. All right. So there's that. Uh, Helmet sticker, Tommy Hill. I am giving I man I had I liked the Sanford one I thought that was a good one I I thought about um, just Ethan Piper because too because he sat it was a couple of particular I think he's the only one that didn't have a false blo- start blocks on the that he saw line too. yeah he I I thought he he looked good as well I consider that I consider considered giving Malachi one but I thought I'd be accused of being too much of a homer oh I was I, I was that. fully expecting you to and it, I, I was going to be fine I didn't want to be the first one um, <laughs> so just because because I don't want to be considered biased but I'm going to take uh, so I'm going to take Henry. You're worried about being considered biased. That's fair. Fair enough. For a very, very niche segment <laughs> it's true. on a show called the Friday Husker get, Tailgate. I, I want him to get a few more catches, and then I'll give it to him <laughs> at some point. I'm going to give Nick Henrich one, though, because I thought I don't know that he had a huge game in terms of, of tackles as well. Um, but I think one of you two referred to to how he played here during during this game and how he's looked and he's coming off that injury like you a couple of injuries over the course this of the, the best last we've few ever years. seen him play and yeah and that's I didn't really I kind of expected him to look like an an old guy who's been injured multiple mm-hmm. times coming into this season um, and I just he just hasn't um, and he's been incredibly solid he's in the middle of a whole bunch of these run stops that you see when we talk about Nebraska's rushing defense being pretty statistically impressive I can't tell you how many times you're seeing those two and three yards uh, game uh, gains being Right, right in Henrich's wheelhouse, and especially with Luke Reimer being out at mm-hmm. this point, and that puts a kind of a different onus on him. So I've been, I was really impressed with him again. Uh, his his numbers, let's see, I'll pull them up. He did have five tackles and had a tackle for loss in this game as well, and had another quarterback hurry. So he was getting in the backfield as well. And another one of those guys, I mean, you can list them over and over again on this defense that maybe has played just a little bit above where you thought they were going to be. And I'll say Henrich did that. So he is going to get his second helmet sticker of the year. So your standings, Nash Hutmaker still at first. Heinrich Harburg is second. Uh, four-way tie for third between uh, – five-way tie, actually, between Bayer, Fleeks, Van Poppel, Lenhart, and Omar Brown. I wish I could As go back. We all I wish I could go predicted. back to August and tell us that, uh, and then a big group of two after them. So there you go, your helmet stickers for this week. Seven twenty-five. We will take a break. We've got your Friday Husker tailgate morning drive, and we got a little bit early. We got a uh, fantasy Huskers keyword coming up too. You listen to LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. Five topics to get you going for game day. It's a special Friday edition of the Morning Drive on the Friday Husker Tailgate. All right, it's 7.31. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate. I'm Jack Mitchell with Caleb Henry, Mike Schaefer. 47 degrees. Uh, if you're ready for fall weather. I mean, you're getting it. It's not like the exactly pleasant fall weather, but can't really deny 
like 53 degrees and 30 mile wind out of the north. That's definitely fall weather. <laughs> and I will tell you right now, we've warned you a lot this week. We have warned you a lot this week. It's still morning, so you're probably going to be okay. But if you're one of the many, many, many people that tonight or tomorrow night or Sunday are planning on making chili, for the love of everything, get to the grocery store now. Get those chili beans. Get those Fritos. This is okay? an ingredients warning. Get the, the Fritos will be, I'm telling you, you can thank me later. The Fritos are going to be wiped out. <laughs> they will be wiped out tonight. There's just It's just a fact. I've lived here long enough to know how this economy works. Well, in the place where you often get your groceries, okay. is, you know, <laughs> probably devoid of having true. stock. The, stop. This is true of any you grocery know. store you will go to. Despite. I will say it's always funny the the time in the fall where you're like, oh, I'm going to go get, you know, stuff for chili. Mm-hmm. And then like everything is just completely picked over. Right. It's it's t- it will be tonight, four o'clock at the grocery store tonight. If you're going to do that, I'm going to get some chili, get some stuff for Oktoberfest beers, and you'll realize everyone in the dang city had the same idea as you. <laughs> All right, let's count down the morning drive. It's brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. We'll get going today with number five. Nebraska enters the off week coming off of a victory for the first time in years at the halfway point of the season at 500. And much of the discussion this week has centered on whether the way Nebraska's schedule sets up for the next three weeks gives them a shot at locking up a bowl game early this year. Some have poo-pooed the lower-tier bowls, so how important and valuable do you think getting a bid this year would be for the program? I don't know that there's a lot of people poo-pooing it this year. It feels to me, and I'll be curious what you guys think, but it feels to me like just the practices alone that you would get given the youth of this team, given that more time Matt Rule and these coaches get to spend with these guys for the next year would be incredibly beneficial. And that doesn't say anything just to the kind of the momentum, the the sort of mental state of the fan base and everything else. Yeah, I think it's incredibly important this year. I will agree? I will forever poo poo the 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 bulls that become a participation ribbon that everyone gets. So you don't, you, but this is the world we live in. And if you get to six, you get to go to wherever by being a mediocre team. Nebraska can get better than being a mediocre team by getting to one of those bowls. It's it's vitally important to get those extra practices and continue to help this team grow and, and set the foundation for for this program in the Matt Rule era. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I like I think just getting the fan base and everyone moving in a positive direction can only be good for the program overall and so if you can do that this year at six and six great yeah uh yeah they got to get six and we'll we'll get to the rest of the schedule here later in the morning drive but you are at three now um you got what six games left got to get half of them yeah here in in some way and might be you might be favored in half of them Probably two of them for sure, uh, but maybe three of them at that And as point, Matt Rule so. said, there's nobody left on the schedule that they can't beat, but also nobody left on the schedule that can't beat them. Which, by the, I thought that was a great way to that was a great way to put it because I think that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. I very much believe that to be true. All right, moving on. Number four. We just updated our helmet sticker counts, and we all know how poorly we did predicting the standout players. Sans Schaefer, who didn't have to go through the draft. So I'll give you <laughs> another chance. If you had a chance to guess, who leads the team in helmet stickers over the second half of the Ooh, season? Will it be different? Or will there be somebody rising up from the bottom that hasn't been there yet? Hmm. I don't know about that. 
I don't know about that. I mean, like, is it still going to be Hutmaker that's there at the top? Is Heinrich Harburg going to play the rest of the year and and have that? Um, this is tough. I think Billy Kemp is one person that's probably going to end up with more um, the second half than had the first half. I just, you, as we've talked about, wide receiver core has suffered a lot of injuries. He's there have been a couple of times when he's had he's had the ball in his hands that I think he's flashed. I feel like they probably are trying to look for ways to get him more involved. Um, so that's that's the first one that comes to mind for me. What do you guys think? Yeah, so here's a couple offensive players just sort of based on what's coming up and how I feel like things have sort of gone. We forget this. These are the first six real games of Thomas Fedoni's career. Oh, good one. So yeah, I would look sure. for, and he continues, and that's to my game. eyes, continues to get better, gets more reps. I mean, that's someone that I think could emerge as kind of your, that's a good one. your best red zone threat, maybe your best offensive passing threat. Uh, so keep him in mind. And then working with this, his roommate, Heinrich Harburg, I think the way the schedule sets up, too, if Nebraska is going to win three games, if they are going to get to a bowl game, their offense is going to have to play a little bit better, and he is their offense. All right. And we're going to reward that. So I, I think those are two incredibly safe guesses on offense. Defensively, it's hard. It Every week it could be a different person. Um, they play so many different players. I don't know that I have like a real standout uh, with the type of teams they're about to play. Nick Henrich comes to mind a little bit. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, on the defensive side of the ball, you definitely think Henrich. You, part- you, Gifford's another good yeah, one because of how say, much he comes down. I was going to say, Isaac Gifford would be a really good one in there. You probably get Hutmaker off of the board. You might get Riley Van Poppel off of the board, especially considering Matt Rule's comments about how much he wants him to play over these last several games. Offensively, I think you have to. The same way you would start out any year, who's going to be the starting quarterback? And right now, that, that trend line looks to be Heinrich Harburg, especially if he can stay healthy. you got to take him off the board early. Let me throw another few names out and see here and see how you guys react to them potentially being on this list. What about Emmett Johnson? Maybe. I liked how he ran. I don't like the fumble. I don't know what it's going to look like, and I don't trust their running game. So yeah. I think Harburg... It continues to be the safest aspect of that running game, too. What about a healthy Cam Leonard? Could be really interesting yeah. to, to piggyback off of that. Cam Leonard, Jamari Butler. Jamari mm-hmm. Butler. He's he's one of the few guys that feels capable of winning uh, in key pass rush situations, too. Okay, a couple I want to throw. Uh, Prince Will. Prince Will? I, I mean, he's Highly come on really strong, thing. I yeah, thought. He had a good game recently. against Illinois. He could have had a helmet sticker. And then, uh, assuming you get him healthy... As he's finishing up his career, I can't imagine Luke Reimer isn't going to be. And you talked about kind of the style of yeah. of the last the last few games and the the schedule. I can't imagine. I just hope he can get healthy. The whole situation is kind of frightening. Yeah, but, I, and I don't know. I right. don't know enough about it. I I assume there's some hope that he's going to come back. And if he does, I would put him on that list too. But we'll see. And a dark horse, as we tend to when we get to our fourth round, our final round. If he does get back and does play the final four games, you're already you're going to miss two. But if you're looking the back half of the season, Buford. Hmm. When, when, when you're looking at, hey, I've already got three. I feel really confident in. I want that that fourth round pick, that guy who might show up that the other guys aren't thinking about. Yeah, that's one sitting there. I bet he is just itching to play. Uh, that's there's going to be a lot of excitement. Do we, he can get back? Do you think he's going to get back in? in the I don't know. I, there's, I, I think that kind of like Caleb said, they're going to work him in later in the season. I think you're just going to try to use this as a redshirt year because of how much time has been missed. He hasn't dressed for a game yet, uh, so that 
makes it a little bit hard for me to imagine that he's just going to pop right back up after yeah. the bye week. So yeah. picking back off of what Caleb said, I think you could look for him in starting Michigan uh, State. By is, the way, we probably missed the most obvious one who's going to begin a lot of them, especially if Mike's still a part of the show, which we plan for him to be. Brian Buscini. He's got a pump better. Yeah. I mean, I like, I don't. He hasn't been bad, but my expectation of what I thought he could be based off of last year and an entire year of continuing I to know. work on his craft, he's been fine. We're getting into punter season. But if you're winning a helmet sticker, you got to be multiple inside the 20s. You need to have some What's booms. your average need to be? we got to have some field flip better than what we're seeing. I mean, All right. having like an average of Wow, 49. look at you. It used to be like he had to just show up on he the field and the you gave him raised the bar on himself. One. I'm not going to lower Jeez. it on him. This what, isn't like, okay, well, here, end, Brian, you can trip over this. What did he even end up with after first semester? Two. Uh, two. Yeah. Those are directly uh, man, from the Minnesota these are, game. Yeah, the very guess. first game. I'm telling you, though, had a good game we're going to get into these cloudy games against against the Iowas and against the Michigan states of the world, and the wind's going to be blowing 20 uh, miles I'm just telling you, as a guy pun- who's given him 80% of his helmet it's stickers, I have season. a standard that hasn't been met. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just predicting the future. Right. That's all. This is the Schaefer standard. Number three. <laughs> it sounds as if Matt Rule and company going to be sticking with Heinrich Harburg to start the North. Northwestern game at quarterback. Most of us have indicated we think Sims would have another chance in some fashion down the road. If you thought that, are you starting to question it? A little bit, yeah. And I mean, mostly I think this question goes to, to you, Jack, because as you've heard from people and, and you've stated based on what you've heard from some pretty good people who would be in the know, that the coaching staff has wanted Jeff Sims. I think I think the coaching staff had planned to work him in, and I don't know exactly how, I think for maybe a couple weeks here in this thing, and it just hasn't happened for whatever reason, and so I was a little surprised that Rule said what he did about kind of as as definitively, definitively as he probably is going to, about Harburg being the guy. And so, yeah, I have some like, assuming Harburg, Harburg plays well, they're leading games, those sorts of things, I mean, you get a few more games in with doing that, and I can't imagine you're ever going to make a change. Like, is there a scenario where Jeff Sims really doesn't, outside of maybe a garbage time situation, he really doesn't take a snap the rest of the year? I hadn't considered that, but maybe. I mean, it's just it continues to just kind of feel like, why rock the boat at this moment in time? And if, if Harburg struggles, then you can go to Sims. Yeah. I think the harder thing to do right now would be to go to Sims right now to start Without again. having a definitive reason to take Harburg out. I think that's what they're thinking. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I I do think that's what they're thinking. But I'm just picturing these next few games, um, you know, and Northwestern, it, it, I mean, I'm not saying Nebraska's going to come out and blow them out of the water, but I can't really see a situation where the offense is put the team in such a hole that you're thinking about yeah. making a change. I, I, I will say... I could be wrong, but... I, two of your next three teams, and I don't know Michigan State's interim situation off the top of my head, defensive-oriented head coaches. Yeah. So they're going to look at Heinrich Harburg. They're going to look at what Illinois did in the second half. They're going to try to figure these things out, and they're going to try to, to make life more difficult for him than, it, than it's already been. And the great thing for, for Heinrich Harburg is that he's already sort of had to go through a lot of this with seemingly a yeah. one-arm tied behind your back. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's it's you know, business as usual for both sides. I, I will say, if everyone's healthy, they they continue to roll with Heinrich Harburg. That said, I do think there's a there's a better than not chance that by the time you get to 
Maryland, especially Wisconsin and Iowa, if you were to put the over-under at one and a half quarterbacks that get starts, I'm going to take the over. Heinrich Harburg has taken a, a, a beating with the amount of times that they're running the ball. There might be a week that he's just not 100%. He, need, he needs a week where he's not the starter. And this coaching staff, the way they've talked about yeah. Jeff Sims, it's about keeping his confidence up because he will be necessary to take snaps, if not start and play a full game. Yeah, without, without a doubt. All right, moving on. Number two. Another season-ending injury for Nebraska coming out of the game. Marcus Washington went down against Illinois, torn ACL. Who will end up getting the most extra time as a result? And have we moved past a point where there could be any hesitation about getting freshman wideouts completely into the mix? Mix. Sorry, I said MIS. I, I was trying to figure out what the last letter Getting those freshman wideouts in. The mess. We touched on this a little bit. I said we we're going to take a, take a deeper dive on it. Yeah, I'm curious how you kind of assess what the involvement, the kind of who's going to fill in the time felt filled by Marcus Washington. Guess what? You got to play him now. I mean, they've talked a lot about how they wanted to get to November before they really had to rely on some of these guys, and you couldn't because of injuries. So Malachi Coleman, Jaden Doss, Jalen Lloyd, those are your three. I mean, I, there's nobody beyond that. Bryce Turner's moved over to a defensive back. I believe Jeremiah Charles is now a defensive back. Uh, Demetrius Bell is not going to be playing this year. So you've got those three. And you have to figure out the best ways to utilize their skill sets. I know they're excited about Jaden Doss. I would guess of the three, he's most likely to have consistent production. Uh, but, you know, Malachi... Malachi's athleticism speaks for itself. So if you can, if you can get situations like you did with the Marcus Washington throw down the field, Malachi can make that play. Yeah. I mean, he can he can do that. If you can get situations where you're comfortable with Harburg and him throwing a jump ball, Malachi can do that too. So I think he can be utilized in in different ways. The one that fascinates me is Jalen Boyd because I think they love his speed. And I've, I've referred to this a lot with Tutu Atwell and the Rams. You get someone really fast. You find some situations where you get a defense to suck up on a play action, to bite really hard at an RPO. You get the ball in the hands of Jalen Lloyd, and you let him try to outrun yeah. everyone. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a big play touchdown. They're willing to do it week some one. Point, yeah, yeah at mean, some point in these next few weeks. Yeah. Um, Caleb, your, your thoughts if, if on you this, If you look too. at Matt Rule's previous teams with Temple and with Baylor, They've had tremendous jumps from year to two, year one to two, and two to three. Part of that success has come from playing a lot of young guys early on to where they have that experience. Now, Nebraska had a bunch of older guys, had experience, and they still have that at a lot of positions. But with your wide receiver group, getting these freshmen, these reps, no matter how you got into the situation over the last half of a season, let alone what a bowl game would do for those extra practices, these reps are invaluable to what this team is going to be over the next couple of years. There's obviously a lot in front of them for this season, but what this sets up for the next couple of years is a tremendous opportunity for all of those guys to get out there, get reps, for the coaching staff to figure out how they can utilize them, what their exact skill sets are within this offense. And then obviously once you have everyone healthy, how you're able to maneuver those. So these guys getting experience early, it's it's going to work out a lot better for this program down the road. Hopefully you can see what they have in front of them right now as 18, 19-year-olds, what their bodies are, how much of the playbook they're able to get down, where you're able to use a guy for a jump ball or blocking or a deep ball or across the middle, whatever it is. 
Those guys are going to get the reps now, and it's going to help out them and the program over the next couple of years. A uh, uh, couple things here real quick uh, to add on to what you said. It's especially true because Billy Kemp's gone next year, right? Marcus Washington's gone. Um, I don't know what IGC is going to do at this point. Uh, I think he has another year left, but who knows? Yeah, I don't think you can count on any of those guys. So I don't think you're going to get any of those guys. And so you, the one, the one guy that you have that's clearly above that whole group, uh, Billy Kemp, is gone. And so you'll still have Bullock and Han. Uh, who are getting some time. Guess and, who's going in the portal? Yeah, well... Or, excuse me, guess who needs to shop in the shop portal? Shop in the portal, yeah. Sorry, that made it seem Which like they will, but someone it, was transferring. But you're right. <laughs> yeah. You're right, though. These guys are going to get time that they wouldn't have got otherwise, and hopefully that will get them a little bit of a head on, on next year. And I, I'll say this, too, specifically about, about Malachi Coleman. I mean, it's not like he hasn't been playing a lot already. He's been... Against, He's already uh, burned his red shirt. Yeah, against, against uh, Louisiana Tech, he was in a yeah. bunch... He was in a significantly played. He was in early against Northern Illinois as well, and I haven't seen a thing that makes me that would make me question. You know, they haven't been. He hasn't been a big part in the receiving game yet. Caught one pass. Actually, had one that Harburg missed him a little bit. He had beat his guy. That was a touchdown if he hits yep. him, which uh, would have been really cool. But he's, yeah, he's one that I'm interested to see. Doss, right? Like he's been a little bit banged up, right? Uh, during the beginning of the year. Yeah, teams when they recruited him, talked to him, told him they wanted to use him how the 49ers used Debo Samuel. So that should give you some idea of his versatile skill set. I know we're talking... Another guy that could line up at running back if you absolutely needed it in a pinch. I know we're talking about the wideouts, but if you're looking at this offense as a whole, and I fully expect them to go into the portal for multiple positions, but you've got all of those wideouts with two to... at least two years remaining after this. Those freshman guys, obviously, three after that. Heinrich Harburg, two years remaining after this. Emmett Johnson at running back, multiple years remaining. Quentin Knives behind him. Quentin Knives behind him there. Thomas Fedoni with multiple years remaining after this. There are a lot of guys getting experience that are setting up to be part of your program. Even if depth is added in the portal, that is going to help out this program. Yeah, Yeah, without a doubt. But, I I mean, I'll tell you this. Depending on what happens with with Jeff Sims... um, the, it's going to be wide receiver, running back, quarterback in the portal, right? Those are going to be the, tough, the, the most the most visible skill positions possible are going to be the three yeah, spots well, that are and, top and of the tackle and 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 tackle mm-hmm. yes, and tackle as yeah. well. Those would be the four, though. Yeah. Yep. Number one, six down, six to go. As we look ahead and take into account what the Big Ten has been this year, how do you rank the challenges ahead for Nebraska? Do you got what do you th- you think? Now that you Maryland Wisconsin tougher game to win at this point Maryland Maryland you think they can score points. even though that it's at Wisconsin don't care it's okay all right I mean the way like that that entire Nebraska Wisconsin game will be dictated as to how well Nebraska's defensive line can hold up against Wisconsin can the Huskers put up twenty points that entire game should be played in the teens yeah I mean Wisconsin is what are they five and one. They're five yeah. and one through Lost six to Washington State. Yeah, four and one, five and one. They might have already had their. They already had their bye. They're four, they're four and one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, their best win is against Rutgers at this point, or or Purdue, whichever one you think is better. They're going to be a bowl team. They could end up winning the Big Ten West. I'm not even sure they're the sixth best team in the conference. No. Yeah, it's it, and and here's the crazy thing, guys. Over these next three games, if you just focus on the next three, Northwestern and Lincoln, Purdue at Lincoln, at Michigan State. I completely agree with Matt Rule when he said they could win or lose any of the games remaining. But I feel like those three in particular are games where 
if you can keep the offense from making mistakes, mm-hmm. making self-inflicted mistakes, turnovers, and and costly penalties, and probably missed field goals, I would throw in there as well. I think I think you win all three of those games. Now, that the, the offense hasn't been able to do that, so this is not me saying anything is guaranteed. But given what those three teams are, uh, Nebraska statistically has a. You have issues in Nebraska's offense. Statistically, they have a better offense than both Northwestern and Michigan State at this point. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, that's where we are at this point with the schedule. Nebraska's got. A, you don't get you don't get gifts in the Big Ten schedule very often. You've got one right now. Take this advantage is a time to make some hay without a doubt. All right, that's it for your morning drive. Brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. We'll do uh, speaking of the Big Ten. We'll do the Big Ten roundup coming up next on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers, making the catch at the ten, five. That is a touchdown, Nebraska. Think fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. Chris Lofgren. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. All right. All right, 76. How about a little Big Ten roundup, guys? Uh, don't spoil what your overall pick on this, because this, since there's no Nebraska game, this game is our uh, actual pick by score this week. But Wisconsin at Iowa. Uh, Over-under is in, like, the mid-30s. That still may be too much, even though it's unbelievably <laughs> low for this thing. Based I on what I sent this. to Kenny, it seems too high. Yeah, me too. Uh, spoiler alert. All right. Well, this- I didn't, Iowa hasn't looked bad without uh, McNamara at quarterback. They have almost as if they're the same team. I, well, okay. They haven't looked bad considering Badder? they don't have... Yes. Okay. Uh, worse. <laughs> their offense, at least. There needs to be a word between batter and worse. Yeah. Uh, they're actually, weirdly enough, Iowa. their <laughs> offense may be worse than last year, and their defense may be better than last year, <sighs> which is, is insane because so they lost so much off of them. All right, Michigan State at Rutgers. If Michigan State loses this, they could go winless throughout the rest of the season, maybe? I don't know. Uh, and, of course, Nebraska does go there at that point. But that'll be interesting to kind of fix the mich- mental state for Michigan State as they go forward uh, in this season. Ohio State at Purdue. In most years, you'd be like, upset alert. Uh, not this year, though. No. No, right. no, no. no. Uh, Indiana at Michigan. Yikes. <laughs> That's all I have to say. In a rough yeah. time for the I mean, Hoosiers. That is the most predictable 41-3 to game that you will ever see. Uh, <laughs> Illinois at Maryland. Uh, we'll see what Illinois is. There's in just this not one. a lot of like interesting games out of this crop, you know. Yeah. Like, there's just not. It's. I mean, Wisconsin at Iowa is the uh, is probably Michigan State Rutgers. Those the are best your you've got. Games. And then, how in the heck does this get scheduled on October 13th? But here we are, UMass at Penn State. Yeah. They're doing a little SEC schedule and get oh. yourself a little well, game they, in there in October. It's usually in November, isn't it? With the SEC. Yeah. yeah. Goodness. UMass uh, against Penn and who, This is why I was saying the pick for Penn State on our fantasy Oscars, which we're going to give a keyword for in a little bit. You, you, Franklin's usually a guy who's not really holding back the scoring at the end of games. I feel like so that could be that could be in the sixties. I would think. <laughs> All right, uh, we will do that. We will give you a fantasy Oscars keyword here in about ten minutes and. Opposition disposition, well, there's no opposition this week, so we'll look a little bit closer at Nebraska and some of the statistics and maybe hear a little bit more from Matt Rule for this week. So that's all coming up during the 8 o'clock hour of the tailgate on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers. Guns toward the end zone, passes, caught, touchdown! Think 1,499-3, KLIN. I'm Chris Ofgren. 
left the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Breaks the tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody is thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. First, Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, your last chance to get a pick, to pick up a top 25 team to adopt for this weekend. Yeah, there's no Husker game, but you can still watch football, find someone to cheer on. We're uh, giving you the opportunity to pick top 25 team and try and pick the one that will score the most points this weekend. Nine are off the board. We're looking for one more pick. Caleb, what's the keyword? Tailgate. Tailgate, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, all one word. Text that into 402-479-1400, and you will be in the random selection for that 10th pick to get your own team for the weekend that is in the top 25. Uh, what was our last pick? Here? Handle Steve took number 7 Washington, so Washington hosting Oregon. So we have both sides of that game. That's interesting. All right. Both sides off the board on that one. Uh, so still available for our 10th picker, Ohio State at number 3. They play Purdue. Florida State at number 4. They play Syracuse. Um, let's see. You did not. We had USC picked. You could take Notre Dame in that game if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, North Carolina or Miami, they play each other. You could take Louisville against Pitt. Mike Schaefer likes that one. Uh, Oregon State or UCLA, they play each other. Uh, then we've got Duke. They go against NC State. I think their quarterback's out, so I wouldn't do that one. Tennessee against Texas A and M, potentially like that one. Here's what I like. What's which one? The Washington one? State. Washington State against Arizona. That Arizona game against USC was big numbers last time, although it went into bad defense. Cam Ward. I kind of like Washington All State right, coming off of take a loss. Mike Schaefer's advice. Uh, I like LSU number twenty-two. They play Auburn. Uh, I think that's going to be really high scoring. You can also take Kansas against Oklahoma State, although their quarterback is out. I would think about that. And then Kentucky versus Missouri. Kentucky likes to run the ball, slow it down a little bit. Don't know if I would take them. That's up to you. Those are your options on the menu if you get that final pick. We'll start all over next week and a new chance to get a pick and win the gear from Alumni Hall and the pizza from Valentino's. All right. Guys, I uh, I, I want to get into a couple of statistical things. Since we usually do opposition disposition here. There's no opposition this week, and I can't break down the history of the mascot of the bye week, uh, although we could try and do something like that. I thought I would do kind of for Nebraska what I do for the opposition, and that's give a little bit of a statistical breakdown here of the Huskers. And then I want to get into some uh, some discussions specifically about the rushing game going forward. I, I normally when I do this, guys, I look at the NCAA rankings that they put out, and it's not super advanced stats. Like they'll give out yards per game, rushing yards per game, passing yards per game, total defenses, yards per game allowed. And so I went a little bit deeper on this, and I took a look at yards per play because, as you know, depending on the the, the conference, depending on the game, depending on everything. 
there can be a real variety of how many plays are in a game, and that makes that yards per game stat a little bit less detailed, a little less precise than a yards per play look at it has been. And so I pulled up Nebraska's yards per play numbers on both offense and defense. Let's start on offense because that one is not quite as uh, obviously as good as the other. But I will tell you this. Nebraska looks better offensively on yards per play than they do total yards per game, which is interesting. They're 74th in the nation in yards per play on offense. Now, that still doesn't sound great. 74th in the nation does not sound good, but it's not far from better than like 60 teams. It's not, yeah, it's also nearly halfway, it's nearly right in the middle. Of everything. They're averaging 5.3 yards per play, so they're 74th. To give you an idea where that compares, Northwestern, who comes in for Nebraska's next game, they're number 122. They are 4.3 yards a game, okay? Or uh, the, or you look at Michigan State. They are 4.9. They're 100th in yards per game. Or you can go to our friends in the East, Iowa, 4.3, 121st. So... Half of the teams that Nebraska plays, and I guess I could look up Purdue, too, on this thing. Uh, Purdue's 83rd, yep. also below Nebraska. Four of the six teams Nebraska plays in its final game. Where is Maryland? Are they like 17? I'm sure they're very high. Let's let's check Maryland out. Maryland is uh, number 26 at okay. 6.4. And Wisconsin? And Wisconsin, just for the heck of it, they're 49th. At I didn't think they were that much higher so than Nebraska. So Maryland and... Maryland and Wisconsin are the two teams out of the six, and this is offense, not defense. Maryland and Wisconsin are the two teams that per play are averaging more per play. Now, again, so don't that, turn the ball over and give them more plays. That's what I'm. That is what I am saying, and I said it earlier. If the the I don't care about I don't care about you know getting popping thirty yard runs. I don't care about. I care about that. I I would like it, but I, I care <laughs> more. more That's than, only going to help your yards per play. I'm not saying don't do it, Mike. <laughs> I'm saying it is not on the top of my priority list. <laughs> Just to clarify, uh, I I care primarily. I care most about s- turnover avoidance. Penalty avoidance, especially on third and threes or, you know, that kind of thing. And then leaving points on the board with missed field goals. That's it. Those are one, two, and three. I think you avoid those. You get better at those. You have really got a shot, even without having a banner offensive day at all, to win probably four of those games. I mean, I I really think think you do at that point. We're going to get into the defensive numbers. But I know I, it's it's incredible how bad how bad some of these offenses have been. I mean, it is even for the Big West, even for any of it. Just I mean, think of Nebraska went through that Michigan game and really and they got a big pass from Marcus Washington that padded it mm-hmm. a little bit, and a big run from Fleeks that padded it a little bit. That's there's no doubt about that. But but still, I mean, to see Northwestern and Michigan State and Iowa where they are in those yards per play, it's incredible. Um, and they haven't faced only great defenses either. So, well, yeah, and that's the other thing about Wisconsin being twenty spots higher than Nebraska. I mean, their opponents have been like right. Rutgers, Purdue, Buffalo, right, Georgia Southern, yeah, and uh, Washington State. So yes. it's you know, like it 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 works. It 
cuts a, a variety of different ways. And really what that stat tells me and what we already sort of know, Nebraska's issues are largely turnovers, discipline, finishing drive with points. Yep. I mean, they just That's do it. not yep. finish enough drives with points. And, and I don't bring this up to say, oh, Nebraska's got an easy path now, because they don't. I, no. I 100% believe What you're could... doing is you're trying to explain how it's not nearly as bad as it looks all the time. It's it's that and how, yes, it, it, it is that and just how when you do things outside of just keep the offense on the field, Right, that's when you're hurting, uh, and, and it's obvious. And, and interception is more hurtful than a punt. But boy, if they can figure out how to, because they were still there against Illinois, yep. and in the Illinois game, what it did, it didn't make them lose the game. It prevented them from winning the game, forty-two to seven, which basically. prevents you from being able to empty the bench and playing right. some other players and doing mm-hmm. some different things. Because that was, I mean, I don't think I'm exaggerating a whole lot when I say that really should have been in play that game. <laughs> I was I referenced him earlier. I was talking to Brunts earlier this week, and he's like, "Don't you feel like that game could have been like fifty-five to seven? Yeah, like it, it really, really could ugly. have been. It, it absolutely could have been. Really yeah, you, you want to talk about opportunities to get all of those wideouts and Emmett Johnson, yep. who did cough the football up, but you get him more carries right. down the stretch. That that's the big opportunity missed. Um, let's do this for defense now." Just for for giggles, because that was offense was supposed to be the bad one. It's going to look worse <laughs> than you think it should. Um, um, defense. Oh, that's offense. Um, yards per play for defense. Uh, I don't know if it will. I looked at this before. Nebraska is 18th okay. in the nation. I thought it'd be more in the 30s. Eight- you would think it'd be more in the teens. Nebraska but it is, is in the teens. 18th in the nation at 4.6. So of Nebraska's opponents, the only one that is ahead of them for the rest of the year is Iowa. Good old Iowa, who is number seven on this list. Um, in some other statistical advanced statistics on defense, they're up at number one at this point this year. So Iowa is going to be the right now in this stat yards per yards per play as we stand right now the only defense that is uh, where Nebraska is. You want to look up some of the opponents. Northwestern coming in this week, number sixty. Okay, uh, then you've got Mar- uh, uh, let's see after Northwestern you got Purdue coming in number fifty three. You've got Michigan State coming in, 76. So these are all kind of similar right now. Uh, Maryland is coming in at 33, a little better. God, that Maryland team is, they got some good numbers, don't they? They're probably uh, the fourth best team in the Big Ten. And then Wisconsin at 31. So again, those next three teams, those next three games, Nebraska has the advantage on this statistic in yards per play on offense and yards per play on defense. Yeah. Just to hammer my, my point home on this whole thing. Now, you talk about avoiding those issues. Obviously, one of them is going to be interceptions. We've talked a lot already about the quarterback decision, how the potential or lack of interceptions is going to affect it. The other thing that's hurt Nebraska and hurt Nebraska against Illinois, hurt Nebraska against Minnesota in particular, were the fumbles. And you've got the audio and the video here of Matt Rule talking. Well, you can set it up better than I can, probably, Caleb. I don't know which one you want to play exactly here, but um, it's a little bit of an extended cut. I think there's there's a question happens halfway through here as well. But the the initial question for this, Matt Rule was asked coming out of Illinois because he'd been banged up a little bit. If Anthony Grant was okay, well, he's not okay with me. <laughs> Because he keeps fumbling the ball. I love Anthony, but you can't play for us if you can't control the ball. So Anthony, Anthony, uh, you know he's he's got to improve that. Not in the doghouse. That people take things the wrong way. He's got a skill skill that is not showing up. 
It's very simple. It's, to me, it's all technical. Football's never emotional for me. It's just technical. So I have to get that fixed for Anthony. And Anthony has to get that fixed for Anthony or he can't play because we can't, you know, you can't fumble the ball in practice on Tuesday and then fumble it again in practice on Wednesday then fumble it in four minutes on Saturday and think you're going to play the next week. So I think the bye week comes at a great time because Anthony can really work on that this week. Um, he's got such great vision. He has all these things, but he has one skill that's preventing him from playing at the level I think he could play at. So, um, yeah, he's healthy, all those things, but I'm counting on Anthony. And uh, I need I need him, and we need him to step up, and we need him to very simply cover the top, cover the top of the ball, and not run with the ball like this. And so um, I don't know what else to do other than to say what I just said. And I've said it to him, obviously, but say what I just said so he hears it because he's a really good player that could probably play for many years after this. But you're not playing for Bill Belichick if you fumble the ball. You're not playing for Mike Tomlin if you fumble the ball. So we we uh, we need him this week to really make a step. What do you think is at the root of that issue? It seems like, I don't know if he's running more physically than he has in previous years, but... I did the same thing in Illinois last year. It was a close game. The ball was ripped out. And to me, it's all technical. It's it's about covering the tip of the ball and keeping the ball high and tight. If you watch Heinrich run with the football, you know, Coach Osborne came in yesterday. And we you know watched watched some film with us, and he was just talked about how beautifully Heinrich carries the football. He carries exactly like we ask him to do. You watch Tommy Hill. He had that fumble again on the kickoff return, and Tommy Hill picks the ball off the other night. And there's a picture of him, you know, with, with going five points of ball security. It's a commitment to that. And so Anthony's been running with the ball one way his whole life, not protecting the, the, the front tip of the ball and again the ball getting out here it's division one football you're not going to have a lot of runs where you start right and work back left it just doesn't happen especially in four minutes so we've just got to continue to coach him and we love him we got to coach him he's come so far in so many ways his pass protection his route running catching the ball things that we thought maybe he couldn't do he can absolutely do this is something that has to get corrected Um, at the same time josh fleeks is ready to play Emmett put the ball on the ground, which was disappointing on the exchange. So there's obviously a cultural, you know, and that's why I'm speak. I, I speak things in here sometimes when I want the, the locker room to hear it. Like it's got, to, you can't blame the, all the coaches. Like you know, like blame me. That's fine, but like at some point the players have to start saying it, and our players get that. That's that was what was great yesterday. I, I talked to our team and said, you know, they wanted to play with a swagger. They wanted to play with energy. They wanted to be coach. Take the leash off us. I'm a little more old school. I said, okay, take the leash off you. Can't have 11 penalties though. Can't have the ball inside the five twice. And so I said, hey guys, how do we make this where we can play with a certain energy where we don't have these penalties? And Newsom said, well, we have to do it. And I was like, exactly. That's that's how you change what's happening. So I think it's the same thing with him technically, but at the same time, he needs, he needs to hear from his teammates like, hey, we need, you, we need you to hold it this way every single time. So, you know, I'm not going to do the old carry it around the class thing. You know, we're not, it's not the program. We're not doing that. We're just going to trust him as a, as a really good player that he can get it correct. All right. So a, a couple of things about that. I mean, I he really finally got down into one of the things that I was interested in in, in the fall you know, and even after the Minnesota game was after when when he talked about Anthony Grant's fumble, which he's he's talked about a lot, was it seemed to me like he I was like, well, he's he's fumble. He had a key fumble against Minnesota, but he's not been. There are more fumble prone running backs in terms of the statistics, which is what I always came away saying. I now have a better idea of what he has said. There is a technique situation that he and the coaches are seeing that they're frustrated is not getting fixed. Yep. That's what it is, and whether it's resulting in you know th- three fumbles a season or eight fumbles a season, that's what the, that's really about. And they know it's eventually, or they believe it's eventually going to run into fumbles. But it's just it's not necessarily about the end result; it's about the process and the technique. I think, and it's obviously significant enough for it to have come out of fall camp and continue to come up in practice. 
because the defense as a whole isn't really we saw Phelan Sanford shove his helmet into the football and knock it loose, but they're not as a whole going in and trying to rip the ball out. And if it's significant enough that he's he's fumbling against this defense in practice who doesn't tr- go after causing turnovers, then it's a significant issue because other teams are going to do that. But he's he's trying to get him. It's not the, again, it's not the end result. It's not the fumbles. It's the technique that mm-hmm. is producing the fumbles that he wants to see changed, Mike. I mean, we saw it once. He kept him out of that entire Colorado game yeah. um, after after this and then brought him back at this point. I mean, can you even do that now at this point? No, you can't because of your numbers. But I guess, so the the conversation's focused on the fumble. I would like to know why Anthony Grant was so poor on Friday, fumble otherwise. You know, like he... He missed holes. He reverted. He looked like 2022 bad Anthony Grant. Mm-hmm. Like it was probably the worst game he's played this year. He was he had happy feet. He didn't hit the holes hard um, or didn't hit them correctly. I thought there was a noticeable difference of their inside zone runs when Emmett Johnson was in there and you're picking up seven yards and he's just slamming up the middle. It reminded me of when, uh, when Ramir Johnson came in against Oklahoma and you're like, oh, they can run the ball. Or like Iowa. Same yeah, thing in exactly. Iowa. And it's just like... I like Anthony Grant. I've talked a lot about Anthony Grant over the last two years. I found last Friday to be a little bit of a breaking point for me. Like, I just don't know that he's going to be a guy that you can rely on to get consistent production against a bad defensive running team because he couldn't do it against Illinois. And, like, he he really desperately wants to bounce stuff outside, and he's causing this team to lose out on, on even more yards per play. Because he just does not want to play within the confines of what they're doing. And I I think that's more of a detriment than even the ball security. Interesting. And I, I really walked away from Friday thinking Nebraska's a team, tough, gritty, hard-nosed win. Biggest concern, they don't really have a running back now. Like I, I just don't think I can look at Anthony Grant, look at Northwestern's defense, Purdue, all of these teams, and think he's going to even get you 60 to 80 yards. That's not good. And that's with a running game that, you know, is built around your quarterback, and he's going to obviously pick up a bunch. But what's supposed to happen when that happens, they focus on the quarterback, then the running back should be able to pick up the slack when the quarterback has the attention. I don't think we can count on that. Yeah. And it's, you know, like, there's already enough deficiencies in terms of picking up blitzes and and catching the ball out of the backfield. Just been really disappointed. I I thought he was going to feast on Friday, and he didn't. And maybe he will against one of these future teams. But, man, it does not make me feel good about Nebraska's running back situation. And it does make you wonder, you know, is is Emmett Johnson going to be able to I, go I would rather see and... a 50-50 split between those guys than what, you know, I would have thought going into Because I, I still don't know what I, you know, I still don't feel like I don't really know what Emmett Johnson's is going to be this year. It's just not sure. a large enough sample at this point. And will they really start putting Fleeks in, I guess? He mentioned it there. said Fleeks is ready to go at this point. Could that be a feature? Is that one of the people we should have mentioned for the second half helmet stickers? I mean, listen, he's in striking distance of winning the whole thing (laughs) after getting kicked out of fall camp. Nebraska football. (laughs) That would be a story if Josh Fleeks wins the helmet sticker title this year. All right, it's 828. We will grab a break. Uh, Schedule to have Kevin Seuss join us after this on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers. Boy, Nebraska. Pitch yourselves. What a rally. The Huskers poured it on. It's 11-4 in the first. Think 1,499-3. KLIN. And welcome back. 
to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. All right. Well, even on the bye week, we still make sure and bring in our friend from 1011, Kevin Suits, the roving man. You'll see him at the high school football games. You'll see him at the high school volleyball games. You'll see him on TV. You'll see him everywhere, including here on the Friday Husker Tailgate. And he joins us right now. Good morning, Kevin. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Are you Good look- morning. Are you looking forward to your bye week? Sure. Yeah. Good. I mean, not that you're, not that you're still not going to be doing a whole lot of work. Well, but, it's uh, weird because usually it's the one Saturday where there's time on the couch, get to watch some college football. But with Nebraska playing the season opener on a Thursday, and then last week playing on Friday, yeah. I've had some Saturdays so, sitting around every weekend basically to watch a lot of college football. It's great. At what point during last week's Friday game were you most excited that you hadn't made that trip over there? <laughs> Was it like the third pre-game. play? <laughs> no, pregame. Because so ten eleven sent Chase Madison yeah. to the Illinois game, and uh, you know he started working with us over the summer, and he was very excited for the opportunity. So. J- like even then, I was like, "All right, this is good. I'm glad that Chase is getting the experience and covering games at Illinois is actually pretty easy, yeah, logistically, and it can be fun." Yeah, Champaign's a underrated town, in my opinion, across the Big Ten. Mike's yeah. ch- kind of like, "Eh, maybe, yeah. maybe not." I, look, if I went out with you and you had shown me the right spots where there was more than four people in the bars after the 2015 <laughs> game, I might be more willing to agree on this. Uh, but. And, but the weather uh, wasn't the greatest last Friday, so that was my first indication. Was uh, I'd rather be covering high school football here in Nebraska. <laughs> and then it was a four-hour game. Yeah, it was a really long game. It really game. was long. But I was listening to the radio broadcast uh, through my AirPods as I was covering high school football, and you just got the sense from the radio broadcast that the game really lacked some rhythm, <laughs> and it wasn't Fair. the best football. I wasn't watching. You know, the right. first half, I really did not watch. I listened, uh, and then I watched the second half, and the fourth quarter, oh my goodness. Yeah. One, it took forever, and two, it was not good football. Yeah, yeah. Was it, I mean, is it kind of what you expected from that game? I know, you, you know, we know what you said last week about it, but... Well, I said... What, I said Illinois is not very good. Yeah. And I'm going to double down on that. They're not very good. Yeah. And Nebraska is pretty lucky that, you know, when you turn the ball over three times in the fourth quarter, they're very, they should be very thankful that the orange and blue team was on the other side of the football because most other Big Ten teams would score on at least one of those turnovers. Right. And now it's a one possession game. And now you start to think, oh my goodness, here we go again. Right. What did you think? We, we were talking here earlier about how. Because of the first drive, you were probably listening on the radio at that point, but Illinois offense looked pretty good during that first drive. They went all the way down the field, down to the one-yard line, get to third down, and it looks like they're just going to sneak it in. Nebraska stops them. Fourth down, they go out of the shotgun of the goal line. You know what my opinion is about that. And running back doesn't quite take the the right path there. Nebraska gets some infiltration and, and stop them, which you know we were saying in here, that who knows what the game is if that doesn't happen? Who knows what you know the rest of the season is if that doesn't happen and they lose that game? Uh, how how key do you think that was? Do you think that that kind of changed things in that game a little bit? Absolutely, give the defense some confidence. They had two tries from the one foot line. Yeah, you know, like and how in the world does a Brett Bielema coach team not move the football one foot with yeah. two tries? Yeah, I mean there are so many different ways you can get that accomplished, whether it's a a toss to the outside and let your speed burner just find the pylon or just push the pile. They did neither of the two. 
and uh, give Nebraska's defensive front some credit that they did create a push and uh, their pad level was good and the point of contact was really good. So uh, but th- that totally changed the game. And plus, there's doubt that creeps in your mind as a play caller. If you can't move the ball one foot, how are you going to try to go 80 yards? Right. Like, as, as someone who was pulling for Nebraska, I was so happy to see them line up in the shotgun. I was afraid they were going to do another quarterback sneak and figure it out. Right? Which is, should be instructive to the offensive coach if that's what, you know, what I'm afraid of is like, oh, good. They're out of the shotgun here. Seems like there's a lot more ways that this could go wrong. Uh, and it did. And it another did. point about going out of the shotgun, beyond the argument of, well, you're going negative five yards to try to get one foot, the increased potential of a dropped snap or a mishandled snap, we've seen it a lot with Nebraska, but as you watch college football nationally, it seems to be happening more this year than I can ever remember. Hmm. There are other teams that are uh, mishandling the snap or if you get the snap clean, the handoff exchange isn't totally clean. I don't know what in the world is going on. If quarterbacks' eyes are dancing too much now, or if it's just not practiced as much as it has in the past, I don't. It's it's really bizarre to me because it seems like a very simple skill, but I do understand that it requires a pretty high level of focus in order to do a very simple task. But in that sense of being on the one yard line, why? Right. I, I know you don't need right. to rehash this entire argument, right? I, but uh, the, yeah, it's like minimizing your chance of things that could go wrong. You're you're not exactly following that right. advice or philosophy. And just for the record, I'm consistent. I was yelling at Scott Frost for doing it in Minneapolis while I was sitting in the stadium a couple years ago too. So I'm very consistent on my dislike. I've yelled at Gary Pinkle for doing it many many years, uh, who I think is the godfather of going shotgun from the goal line. Um, Kevin, looking at the second half of this team, the offense is what it is right now. The injuries pile up. Another another uh, season-ending injury for Nebraska with Marcus Washington at this point. What what do you think this offense needs to do? What can they do to to have some success here in the second half of the season? Keep running the ball. Don't turn it over. I mean, it's pretty simple. I heard you guys, you know, banging the drum of you know who's going to run the football now with Anthony Grant having the issues recurring that are happening. And just being ineffective. Like, I I just, I'd said it, I'm surprised it took me until the third hour of the show to really get lathered up about it. But that was the worst run defense that they're going to face on their schedule. Easily. And he wasn't good at any point in that game. Like, at no point were you like, wow, he ripped off a good run. I think his long was like seven. Let's see his numbers here. I've got him. Uh... 20 20 carries, wow, for 58 yards, um, 12-yard, this is long. Well, there you go. Well, 20 carries came a week after he got, what, six against Michigan? Yeah. So they gave him the ball, and, you know, maybe... Yeah, they wanted him to finish the game, and he couldn't do it. Maybe... (laughs) 2.8 yards a carry. Yeah, and that wasn't a good defensive... I mean, and it's Illinois not just defensive. how the numbers are. It's what he looked like. He looked skittish. He looked like he wanted to dance and get outside. He didn't like the just a difference of Emmett Johnson on those inside runs versus Anthony Grant. It just looked like Emmett Johnson was the guy who's the senior. He looked mm-hmm. like the veteran who hit the hole incredibly hard, exactly in the right spot. Man, they're really going to miss Ramir Johnson and Gabe yeah. Irvin down the stretch. I I poo pooed the Gabe Irvin thing, but now where they're at right now. 
if you had Gabe Urban, you would feel so much better about. Ah, this I team. totally agree with that. I, because I, Gabe, I can't believe I'm the one saying that. That's, that's but a, I would, I would imagine Nebraska would feel a million times better about their situation. Yeah, it's interesting. You could take a magic wand and bring back one of those injured players. You probably would take one of those running backs, wouldn't you? <laughs> Easily, I take Ramir Johnson. Yeah. If Ramir. you could bring back one, one of those players, yep. he's the one I feel worse about missing this season. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And but I, can, I think Irvin would give you an element that you don't have on your roster in terms of power. But yeah. Ramir could also help you in the pass game mm-hmm. because yeah. he's a great third down back, really good hands, and you can throw him in the slot, and he can help be a possession receiver uh, when you need to move the sticks. But yeah, and oh, real quick, and Mike, you, I think you were talking about Emmett Johnson on the show a couple of weeks ago, covering him when he was he he caught passes, he did yeah, everything I mean, out of. In he Minnesota, can be the carbon he? copy of Ramir Johnson. I mean, he yeah. you know right down to the last name, like he. <laughs> He returned kicks. Ramir Johnson returned <laughs> kicks. I mean, in high school, Emmett Johnson could score from every conceivable way. Ramir Johnson did for Bergen Catholic. Like they're they're really not that. Even their build, they're pretty similar in terms of size. Neither is a super bulky guy. Mm-hmm. They're a little lanky. Their top end speed is pretty good. Ramir's faster. I don't know that that's really in question. Uh, but yeah, you can use Emmett Johnson in that capacity. And like I said, coming out of that game. I almost anticipate a 50-50 split with Johnson and, and Grant because I just didn't I didn't see anything that made me feel good about Anthony Grant in a game in which everything set up for him to have a monster performance. Yeah. And Caleb alluded to this earlier with the injuries at the wide receiver position because you're going to have to work in um, maybe all three of those freshman receivers in, in Doss and Malachi Coleman and Lloyd same thing is kind of for Emmett Johnson. You're going to come out of the season having a lot more experience and a lot more snaps for a lot of these freshmen that you didn't expect. And while that's a downer this year because you've lost guys, that'll set you up with a lot more experience coming into next year will be interesting. Uh, curious, Kevin, we discussed this a little bit before. When it sounds like, I'm not sure who, how you took it, but it sounds like for now, Harburg is still going to be the guy, even though that Sims is at least, as they say, healthy. How surprised are you to hear that, that they at least expressed as close as they could get to saying that without actually saying he's going to start against Northwestern? I'm not surprised at all. Heinrich has how many picks on the season? Two. two. Yeah, two picks over, what do you play, four games? Yep. Two picks over four games. Four one, games three, in a quarter. One fumble. Oh, one was a fumble. The fumble, fumble against Northern sack. Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. Northern sack. Illinois, the pick against Michigan that was tipped, and then the arm punt against Illinois. Even so, he has fewer turnovers than Jeff Sims. Jeff Sims has four turnovers in two games. Well, not even two full games. No, so, he has seven. Well, he has seven, seven, turnovers. seven through seven quarters. Okay, so I was four interceptions. And <laughs> yeah. was, it, that, that's yeah, the, the point. fumbles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for adding to my argument. That you know, so that's why Heinrich Harburg. I wanted to just guy. help you double down on it. All righty. <laughs> so that's so, who cares. I mean, I I think the I, I think the devil's advocate argument is. Harbor could have more interceptions, right? Like there were, there was one that hit Billy Kemp in that a little bit in the hands. It was high. Could have been a pick six against Illinois. The guy you could also be more completions it. if we're going to do that. Yeah, too. yeah, I guess I so. Mean, I just, like I'm going to, yeah. I, uh, th- but that's the argument that people are going to make. Is said 
Well, he's had he's just been more fortunate that the bounces have gone their way. Even well, so, Heinrich is less of a turnover uh, liability than Jeff Sims. So I think that's why he's number one. And plus, if you have Tom Osborne coming to practice and, <laughs> and praising just, your abilities, that's the guy you're going to go with. Yeah, how about him just dropping that in? Oh, I was watching film with Osborne the other. He loves he loves dropping in little. Yeah, I feel like, like he's got like a bingo card before he does like a press conference. Absolutely. And he's like, how can I work these things in? Let's see what my square looks like when we're done. You can fill in a lot of bingo squares when you talk as fast as Matt Rule does. He covers a lot of ground in the 15 minutes he gets with the press. Every time Caleb plays a clip, I'm like, is this this is still going? And it's only halfway through the clip. <laughs> you like know, that last one? Okay, well, he the covered last a one, ton I, of ground. Like Kevin said, he hit on like five topics on the last one. I even clip said it was played. an extended clip, and he boom, boom, boom into yeah. everything. So I was talking to one of the University of Nebraska students who helps out with the uh, media relations team, and one of her responsibilities with covering the football team is to transcribe Matt Rule's press conferences. <laughs> uh, she may have the most challenging task of anybody in the media relations department. Going through everything he says and getting it completely accurately on, you know, word for word with Matt Rule and his, like, one question might be, what is it? Let, let's just say 75, 90, 80 words. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to say like 90 seconds. Yeah. Oh, but more than that. His words, his words per minute is off the charts, and I can't imagine how tedious of a task that would be to go through and try to type and get it completely accurate to what he says in those 90 seconds or whatever. So shout out Paige Trutna. She's the one who has Mm -hmm. to do this, and I I can't imagine how hard that has to be. It's it's not even the the quantity of the words. It's that sometimes also Matt Rule's thought process isn't in a straight line. Yeah, Yeah, there's an aside inside the that is exactly. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying this, right, but I'm saying this. Well, it's that self-awareness that he has. He sees himself. He's not in the dog house you know. in, in a quote where he starts to go down a path and then it's like the light bulb goes off that you know some radio station not this one um and some print journalism no not nobody here but they might misconstrue this right. for the fan base yes. so he like walks back yes. and he makes a point that i'm not saying this and then he continues his thought and then i'm not saying so that true. and it's like he is so aware of somebody who might twist his words yes. when that's not the intent mm-hmm. so that that's where sometimes these sound bites, instead of just being, you know, a quick fifteen second clip, which is what TV folk yeah. really like, <laughs> it becomes seventy five seconds of I'm saying this but not that. I'm saying that but not this. And he has all of his bases covered. But that's what makes him really brilliant at the podium. <laughs> he's a walking disclaimer when he's up there at that point. I'll tell you what, though, the good thing is he enunciates really well, so the, the words are crisp and easy to, as you're listening to it, like as you're transcribing. Because having transcribed a lot of audio in my life, Lamar Jackson, the, the defensive yeah. back, incredibly fast talker. Yeah. Also, like, spoke in such a way where, like, the volume would change on certain words, letters would get dropped off. Like, you're... You had to really like slow that speed down on the the audio. With rule, you can at least like it's sort of there. Like, you just right have to hit pause. Yeah, <laughs> quite frequently. You're just doing it a lot. 
Like, <laughs> I know, I I know the kid who had to transcribe Heinrich Harburg after his last two games, and I think that's a much easier job. They must have given him that because not as qualified is my guess. That's it. I also, Someday, if, maybe. hey, folks, talk a little slower in Central Nebraska. Okay. <laughs> I also well, think wait, we slow things down. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that Matt Rule tees up a really good soundbite. Like he knows he has that yeah. thought come, and he'll like restart. What he's saying, because he knows instead of having like a little bit at the front and a little bit at the back with a lot of mess in the middle, like he will walk back on the beginning and then he'll just nail that like next 15 seconds. Oh my gosh, you're so, this is great analysis because everything you're saying I've, I've thought, but I've not, I've thought subconsciously. Yeah. Like even Kevin's if it's putting it into better words. Yeah, he really is. Brain. And he, he even, says what you think, but smarter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't give me that credit. Uh, 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 no, but even if you watch the the little documentary thing that they did last week, and they showed some his pregame speech, he even did it with the pregame speech when he thought he had a line. Right, he would say it one way, and then he would make sure he did it another time in sort of a different, in case it landed a right. little bit different at that point, which is exactly what you're saying. But it's all about that awareness of like, right. you know what, I, I'm not quite nailing this, so let's try it again. Yeah, and then even if it's not there. He's really going to hammer it on the third. There time. is a lot of thought. There's more thought going into the communication than there's been out at that podium for a long time, ever probably. Right. I think we could probably it say, is, at least in my lifetime. It's funny to compare mentally the idea of asking Bo Pelini his thoughts on a on a, any individual player, in which you know the first like five words are going to be good football player. Versus if you ask Matt Rule and he's going to go into like detail of, well, he throws this route really well. And it's, it's just a totally different communication. Well, the, the fact that he starts out the, the long clip that we had on Anthony Grant with, he's not okay with me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, obviously a very clear direction he had planned to go to. And then he even broke down at the end of that clip, Mike, as you were saying it was long. He broke down the end of the clip why he was saying what right. he was saying because, hey, sometimes I use this podium he, like, to get a message across. He questions by answering the follow-up question within the original answer. Right. So it's like he's like, all right, I didn't even want to talk about this anymore, so I'm going to talk all the way through it. Right. So at the end of it, no one knows what to ask. I gave you guys all of this info, and now here's the footnotes about why I gave yes. you that answer so that you know when I give you the answer, the team's getting the answer, but also how I want them to know that I gave you this answer it's, specifically for that reason. It's like you're, you, it's like you're wondering how old a celebrity, you're, you're wondering how old a celebrity is and you use Wikipedia look of the year they were born, and then someone reads you the entire entry instead of just the year that they were born. <laughs> B. Arthur was born. <laughs> Personal life. She was married. And, I mean, geez. Matt Rule, born Matthew Rule. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, it's <laughs> it's great. And but you know, on the other, we're, we're you know we're we're joking a little bit about the the communication style and everything. But I, you know, I I think the way that the next three games can go can potentially engender a whole lot of a whole lot of confidence. Or could go the other way uh, in terms of Matt Rule here at this point. It'll be interesting to see what the reaction is, well, especially I, if they keep winning ugly games. You know, I made the point uh, on ten eleven earlier this week that at the beginning of the season, when the schedule came out, everybody was so fascinated with Minnesota, with Colorado, yeah. with Michigan, the front side of the schedule. People did not give a whole lot of thought to the back half outside of the Iowa game. 
Yeah. And now here you are at three and three, hitting the midway point of the season. And there's a lot of intrigue with the back half of the schedule. This is where they will be playing for a potential bull berth, and you have divisional opponents in there. Yep. It's not the sexiest of home schedules, but there is plenty of reason to go to Memorial Stadium and cheer on this team because a lot's at stake over the next six weeks. And a bowl game would be big for those extra practices, if nothing else. So, All right, with that said, it's time to jump into the picks. No Husker game this week, but we got plenty of games to talk about. We will do that next on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers, intercepted at the 15, and the Huskers have it inside the red zone. Think 1,499-3, KLIN. Bragging rights mean everything to these guys. So, let the trash talk begin. It's time to call your shot in the Friday Husker Tailgate Pickskin Picks of the Week. Brought to you by Exchange Bank on 1499.3 KLIN. In over the years of the uh, history of this show, which goes back like 15 years, the pick'em has usually been somebody kind of starts running away with it. Somebody's doing really well. You know, one year we had Sipple in here, and he got the first ever zero uh, points on any on any uh, on any week. It's been it's been amazing. We've had a few people hit the exact score over the years of the Nebraska game, but we are all kind of even this time. Kevin, you've nosed into first place, getting four last week. Uh, Caleb got three last week. Did get a cover on his upset from. Maryland. Uh, Mike, you also got four, so you're tied with Caleb at 21. You got a cover from your upset with Rutgers. And then I got four, mainly because I got my upset outright, which is that the first outright upset anybody's got all, all year? I Oklahoma thought we State. had one. I'm not I had sure. I had one at the beginning of the year. Okay. What's uh, impressive about your but, four points are that you got zero of the head-to-head yeah, games. Correct. As I'm looking at this, it's incredible. I got the closest score on, on Nebraska, and I got none of the head-to-head. <laughs> That's hard to do, but I stay only two points out of the lead right now. Kevin, Caleb, Mike, and me. So that means Kevin gets to lead off this week with his picks. So let's go through the head-to-head games. We are starting in the Big Ten. Not a marquee Big Ten game, but it's kind of hard to tell who's going to win, so I picked it. Kevin, Michigan State at Rutgers. Thanks for the disclaimer. I really wondered why that's on the list. <laughs> that's I mean, it. no one's waking up Saturday morning going, I can't wait for Michigan State Rutgers. But Sickos I'm ta- committee, baby. <laughs> I'm taking yeah. the Scarlet Knights. All right, you're taking the Scarlet Knights on that one. Caleb, you're second. Uh, I'm also so going next. Rutgers. All right. What do you think? Uh, checking the 12 nope, 1228 email to Kenny this morning. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Rutgers. Yeah, all right. I'm going out on a limb this one. I'm going to take Michigan State. I'm going to take Michigan State on this one. This is the most predictable. Thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. You at USC at Notre Dame. Notre Dame coming off a loss last week to Louisville. Kevin, who you got in this one? I'll take USC, though my confidence in the Trojans has really dropped over the past few weeks. Mm. I'm going to stick with the Irish here. All right. I'm taking Notre Dame, but the most interesting thing about this game is whether Nebraska commit Carter Nelson is going to be on the sidelines for Notre Dame before. Oh, no. Some talk that he might be visiting. Notre Dame was out to see him in Elgin when I was there a couple weeks ago. That's what I'm focused on, but I'm taking Should I be worried? What should my worry level be? Uh, Four. All right. Have a for you, that's probably an eight for everyone. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm taking I'm taking Notre Dame in this one. USC didn't lose last week, but they went to overtime with Arizona, and they don't play much defense. So I'm going to take Notre Dame in that one. All right, out to the Pac-12. Uh, UCLA at Oregon State. Kind of a sneaky, really good game here with this one. Kevin, who you got? Oregon State, really no reason. All right, Caleb. Oregon State for all of the same reasons. All right, Mike. Oregon State, because Kevin said the exact reason. 
chasing. I'm going, which I don't even think uh, I yeah, am. Yeah, I actually yeah, think UCLA is going to win this game. They've got a couple of the best <laughs> defensive line players in the nation. Their defense has been incredibly solid. Look at here you at making predictions point. based on things you actually think. Chip, look Ke- at that. Chip Kelly. How about Chip Kelly quietly? In the Scott Frost uh, class of coaches, maybe the best one out of that whole group. After all is said, I don't know. Um, I liked all of our reasons for this game better than yours. <laughs> all right, uh, Kevin and, nailed it. And then <laughs> probably the biggest game of the week. Really interesting. Excited to watch this one. Still in the Pac-12. Oregon at Washington. Kevin, who you got? Washington. Love Michael Penix Jr. I think his Heisman campaign really uh, takes off this week. He wins this one. He's definitely the front right. runner, I think. I'm going Washington because my wife will like that I picked the Huskies. Because you have a Husky. All right, mm-hmm. good. All right. I'm most excited to see this game on BTN Classics here in future summers. <laughs> That's a good point. As they're airing content from some of the best BTN games, or Big Ten games we've ever 100% seen. 100% will. That's a good point. Uh, I'm going to go Washington as well. All right. I... I, I'm going to Oregon. I like they're trying to be an SEC team in the Pac-12 with this whole thing. I think that the defense is going to be solid here. I think they slow Washington down for the first time. Could this be year. a big week or so, a bad week for you. Also, they're wearing like splatter paint jerseys. It is. Whew. It's eggshell. Uh, it's out there. It's out there. All right. Upset of the week got to be a touchdown or more underdog. One point to cover. Two points to win. Kevin, who you got? The touchdown uh, plus spread really makes this challenging. There aren't a ton of sexy yeah, games that have like... Might need to just get one here. One point here. Right. So uh, with that said, I'm going with New Mexico getting <laughs> seven and a half against San Jose State. Somebody will win a conference game. Neither team very good. All right. There you go. <laughs> Caleb, what do you got? Well, the over-under is really low, but give me Iowa plus the nine and a half. Ooh, a little foreshadowing there. I thought that number seemed high, too, but I didn't want to pick the same game twice. Uh, Mike? Yeah, I real quickly, I want Kevin to reuse that line next week when Nebraska plays Northwestern. <laughs> Someone's winning the conference game. Uh, I'm going Wyoming, who's hit for me already this year. Plus 11, Air Force. I know there's some people, especially in this studio right now, they love themselves some Air Force, but I'm going Wyoming. (laughs) All right. uh, I am going to go with... Uh, let's see, who am I going with? I forgot. Oh, yeah, I'm taking Cal over Utah. Utah still doesn't have their quarterback. Their offense isn't very good when they don't have their quarterback. Ten and a half points on that one. All right, uh, we're doing the pick this week. Wisconsin and Iowa, since there's no Nebraska game. Kevin, who you got in this one? Badgers win it 31-20. to 20. They'll cover. Ooh, wow, 51 points. points. 20 points for Iowa. Uh, Wisconsin, 24-17. Wisconsin, 15, Iowa, 9. <laughs> Wisconsin 13, Iowa 9. I don't think they're getting that safety. I think they're actually going to reverse it. So I, <laughs> I think it's going to be uh, eight field goals, Jack. Hey, Kevin, Mike, Caleb, Kenny, thank you very much. We'll see you next week. It's 9 o'clock. KLI and Lincoln. When you're thinking Huskers. Touchdown, Nebraska. Think 1499.3, KLIN.